It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. For all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you can kick your face off. I'm down with that. Hit you some But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, like he know that wrestling bro. <laughs> Give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up ladies and gentlemen out there at internet land and welcome Episode 279 of the Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick McCone, Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have another special guest in the building for this episode. Last week we had the Blue Meanie, but this week we got a special comedian on the pod. We got Daniel St. Germain, or as I like to call him, St. Germain, here on the <laughs> podcast to talk What's about on, all things we got. Taking on my heel heat. <laughs> well, you got to have an announcer say it for you, too. At yeah, some yeah, point, we got to sure. get introduced. But we're going to talk about some wrestling. We're going to talk about some comedy. And a special roast that's near and dear to my heart that's going to happen this weekend during WrestleMania. But, Daniel, how you doing today? I'm pretty good, man. I, uh, you know, I'm excited for our roast tomorrow night. We film it, and then it'll drop Friday morning. So uh, yeah, man, we're gonna. I think it's gonna be a blast. Uh, I'm really excited. We got some heavy hitters for this one. So, all right. Well, that's dope. And of course, it's the Hulk Hogan roast, which is unauthorized, which is exactly what is necessary. You know, because they're all unauthorized. We do, we do, like you know, do the devil's advocate up front. We do this new thing, bright side of the ring, where we talk about (laughs) the things, the things we like about the person before we start completely uh, tearing their tearing them a new asshole and with hogan you know if you're a wrestling fan there's there's a lot to like and uh you know he's not even the closest racist wrestler you know no there's still way worse there's way worse than hogan unfortunately yeah and hogan's pretty it wasn't in the past i don't know how he still i'm sure he, he probably learned the error of his ways now but probably can't do a top 10 list him. like letterman i mean right. I, I think his past is this you know he got he got canceled for a little bit and now he's back, but it's with an asterisk, you know? Yeah. But there's still, like, that, like, yeah, but you're not the same guy, you know? And and, right. and it, it probably could have been a full, and I really do think it could have been a, a 180 complete redemption story if he had actually just said, hey, I'm really sorry, uh, you know, um, I, am a, I am obviously a little racist. I need to work on it. But because he didn't do that, I think that, like, especially, you know, with guys like um, – you know, the New Day and Titus, they were just kind of like, well, you know, that was, you kind of gave us a half-assed apology, uh, yeah. but not a real apology. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's, you know, I think he would be fully taken back in if it if he didn't like do a one, but I'm also a white guy, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he could ever be fully taken back in, speaking as a black person, representing the black yeah. delegation here, uh, yeah. but like I, I, I kind of see your point in that he could be at least somewhat, somewhat forgiven if you show contrition, like you said, and it's like, yo, I messed up here, and I'm, you know, on the road to redemption. But 
you know, whatever. It's it's too late for it Hulk Hogan. Like, that's it why felt I, like his message was more, uh, "Be careful, uh, you're being recorded everywhere." Rather than, right. "I'm sorry, this was wrong." Can't be racist in 2020 because it's bad, man. People recording stuff out here. It's hard to be racist. <laughs> You know, but look, I mean, there is a point to that. It's like, I'm sure that if you, uh, all three of us, if we had our worst 15 minutes put on camera, for whatever it is, and I'm not saying it's a race thing or like whatever <laughs> it is, it's going to be, it probably isn't great. You know what I mean? But his apology was so bad that uh, <laughs> I, I don't think that there was a way for him, you know, to him to really, you know, because, you know what? Yeah, he was recorded secretly, but it happened. So. Now you right. gotta gotta act as if, right, right, exactly. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. Who, who's on deck for the Hulk Hogan roast this weekend? Yeah. Uh, for well, this week I should say uh, for the Hulk Hogan roast. But before we do all that, I gotta do my weekly check on my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone, a Philly voice and Philly influencer. Nick, how are you doing tonight, my good brother? Man, I'm just loving the fact that the New York Mets are so emotional and like they're they're collapsing before my eyes i i absolutely hate them but uh go phillies they're up four to one right now and uh you know they've had a great run four and one record so far this season we talked about it last week we actually recorded on opening day uh, it was my christmas and uh you know i'm happy to see the phillies doing well early in the season hopefully they can continue that uh throughout the summer into the fall uh but yeah the mets i like that they're I guess they're good. You know, I don't know. I hope they're good. Uh, the rivalry, I want I want that to be back. I want to, I want baseball to matter again. And today's game kind of kind of did that a little bit for me. You got some some Mets taking cheap shots and being over dramatic and stuff and I'm just getting my emotions going and get like I'm I'm boiling right now so, and uh, some of the things the Mets have done. So baseball's back. So you tell me the Phillies the Phillies lost a game. Can I put money on them going 162-0. They 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 did. They are now four and one on the season. I'm sorry. Damn. I'm sorry. Are, they, are they supposed to be that? good this year? Yes. We yes. hope. Well, I mean, <laughs> they they made improvements. They really kind of collapsed last year, but uh, you know, crazy year during COVID. So I I I don't give them a pass for that. Uh, they have enough talent. They should have overcame it. But uh, the NL East yeah. might be the uh, the most difficult division to win because uh they have at least three or four really good teams and the phillies yeah. are hopefully one of them <laughs> yeah but we'll see we'll see about that but let's jump back to our boy daniel st germain well, yeah, those one, out there one, who... i just have a question of philly sports i'm sorry one, one more philly sport do you guys think uh the sixers 76ers can go all the way this year or no i think are you guys yeah. basketball fans yeah yes. yeah we're big basketball fans but yeah uh we think so and again, we hope so. This is the best shot. This is the best team we've had in a while. So it is. But uh, let's 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 get to know you a little bit better, uh, Mr. Saint Germain, as I like to say. Um, <laughs> for those, like I said, for those who don't know you, uh, tell people about your comedy and how long you've been doing it, and maybe you know start about your, your love of wrestling a little bit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sure, I've been doing you know stand up for real since I was like twenty two. I mean, I did it a couple times in high school and like once in college, but. I've been doing it consistently since I was 22 and I've been a wrestling fan since I was like, you know, like 10 years old, right around when, when, uh, Brett was having his real, really his second run, you know, when he won the title from Yoko. Uh, and I, you know, I, I've kind of loved it since then. There's been a couple years where I've, I've kind of got out of it. I, I briefly, I really wasn't part of it during the ruthless aggression era. 
But uh, yeah, man, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's always captivated me. I've always thought there's a ton of similarities between comedy and wrestling. Uh, if, if, if only for the depressing legend signings, I've seen that happen in both comedy and wrestling. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty, um, it, it seemed like a natural fit to kind of merge these two together. And, you know, um, and that's what I've been doing. And what what you got in store is that can we expect more of that? I would assume on the pod that you got coming up here, and tell people about the podcast you got starting up. Yeah, soon. well, we're doing we're roasting Hulk Hogan tomorrow. It's coming out Friday morning, and like I said, you know we have a bright side of the ring where we talk about some of his good attributes. So it's <laughs> that's it's so not funny. A com- <laughs> it's not a complete smear job, but we're also talking about uh, Vince McMahon's interview with David Letterman to promote. No holds bar. We're going to determine which one of Ed Leslie's gimmicks is the worst. That's Bruder's Bar. We're going to be reviewing AEW Dynamite, and we're going to be previewing WrestleMania, like I'm sure you guys are doing. Uh, We've also, in the past, have roasted Jeff Hardy and Bret Hart, and we have a Patreon, um, which you get one extra roast a month and like three or four extra episodes. And we've, uh, we've done Teddy Hart, and we're doing New Jack this weekend. So... We're taking it to both white and black America, folks. Hulk Hogan and with, New Jack in the same week. Be careful with that New Jack one, man. He might come come after you for that one. <laughs> like, he's got like four, four. Uh, what is he got? Four uh, justified, justified homicides. homicides. I'm going to yeah. be very careful. Yeah, I'm going to be very careful. It's going to be it's a already very a dark side of the side, ring. It's going to be a very bright side of the ring episode. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, because they already got the dark side covered. But you, y'all better keep it bright on that on that side of the ring yeah, <laughs> when, that, when it comes to New Jack. <laughs> Yeah, that guy, um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I hope he doesn't kill me, but, uh, you know, I was about to say, like, well, he doesn't want to get lost suit again, but then I'm like, he na- he made his wrestling name after New Jack City. The man does not give a f- Yeah, and then uh, the week after that, we're going to be doing Shawn Michaels, so everybody's going to be getting it. Awesome, awesome. Where can people find this podcast? People can buy this podcast uh, wherever podcasts are downloaded so itunes spotify stitcher i'm sure it's up there uh you could also you know get it directly from soundcloud and you know once a week we kind of we kind of do a, a best of the best jokes from each person's set and we we put that uh on youtube and also on our instagram pages we have an instagram page and we have a twitter page uh, i'm gonna actually be live tweeting aw dynamite tonight and uh yeah man i mean this is a busy week with wrestling you know a lot of a lot of stuff going on besides the the really weird hall did you guys see the hall of fame last night i'd make it a point watched, to skip the hall of fame ceremony yeah he skips it i watched a super very tiny bit of it sir i believe you made the right decision to skip um because <laughs> it is it feels like a weird dream man it's like there's you know there's like like it, it because the thunderdome is the audience it's it just feels like the wrestlers are in heaven talking to god about their induction that's really what it feels like it's very it's very bizarre i mean i only saw a really bischoff and kane speech but it it was a very bizarre uh situation i i watched maybe 2013 and 20 and and on tv and i went to wrestlemania i went to 29 30 and 31 so i was at the hall of fame for 30 and 31 and those aren't exciting times especially in the building uh and then I watched, I think, the next year, I think 2016, I was like, man, I'm done with the Hall of Fame. So I haven't watched the Hall of Fame since, like, 2016. So I'm I'm The I'm last really great speech was the Jake Roberts one, right? That was fantastic. Yeah. And now yeah, that that's when I was in the building for 
and that was that was I was excited for that one because that's a great class. But since then, I'm like, all right, you know, congratulations to all the inductees. But I don't I don't really care to hear y'all speeches and hear the. Usually they got the fans there going, you still got it or one more match. I'm like, shut up, man! Like they don't have it. That's why they're they're going into the Hall of Fame. They're done. It, <laughs> it's, it's over. It's tough. Do you do you consider like? What would you consider the definitive Hall of Fame? Would you consider the WWE Hall of Fame, the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, the Cauliflower Alley? What would you guys is? Do you consider there really just not being one? What you think, Nick? Uh, yeah, that's hard. I guess I don't, I don't pay that much attention to the Wrestling Observer one or the Cauliflower Alley one, but uh, you know the WWE one I know is more of a a marketing type thing. But I I do like I legitimately feel good for the the athletes that get elected to them and that are happy and emotional about it. You know, it's obviously a big moment for them in their personal lives. And I love that. So, uh, yeah, for, I mean, for me, like, I don't see right. that. And also financially, you're right in career. You know, like, you know, now I'm, yeah. now I'm, you know, Hall of Famer uh, Rick right. Martell or Hall of Famer Coco <laughs> Beware. So maybe I can get a better, you know, a better rate at StarCast or something when I'm negotiating with Perhaps, I perhaps. Know. But uh, I, I right. guess the WWE one, just because uh, that's the most, I, the, the most uh, divisive one, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Well, the thing about the WWE that really holds it back from people really looking at it like a legitimate one is that there's no voting process for it. It's really right. just who right. they're on good terms with at that point in time. And like Nick said, it's more of a promotional tool for WrestleMania weekend than anything else. And it's it's a nice honor for the people that's getting inducted. And it's, it's great for them. I have no qualms about them you know, being happy about it. They get dressed up. And it's right. their Lifetime Achievement Award for their hard work over the course of some of them decades in wrestling and they deserve that that time in the spotlight but again since there's no process of how people get inducted other than hey we like him bring him in that that kind of cheapens it and they kind of book it out to where it's like a headliner and a semi-main and a tag team and a woman so you got that but then you got the observer which is a as far as I know, there is a voting process for that and there are people out there who have votes and whatnot. me and Nick yeah, are not one are. of them Right, we, I we, tried to get it. I, yeah, I tried to do. It did not work out. <laughs> right, and we're not huge fans of Dave Meltzer because he says really dumb things, uh, including Bad Bunny being an ethnic celebrity, not just a celebrity that has the most streams on Spotify of anyone um, on the yeah, planet. WWE, but, God, WWE lucked into that, huh? Jesus right. Christ. Of course, it's the only way to look at it. It's like he's doing them the favor, not the other way. Oh, he he loves wrestling, so they're doing him a favor too by letting him do it. But he, he's no, giving he's, them he's the doing run. them the favor. He's he brought right. the, he brought the ugliest title in WWE Championship history onto Saturday Night Live. He's doing them <laughs> the favor, doing them the solid, right? Do, he's so, doing them the solid, yeah, for sure. So, but I, I like that idea of like people voting. I think that because you think about like the NFL Vault Fame, Terrell Owens isn't in, and it's like even if well, he, he got in. He, he oh, got he in got eventually, in? but he, he had to wait a eventually. couple years because the the voters did not vote him in initially because they didn't like him off the they field didn't or like whatever. His, yeah, personality, but stats wise, you look at his stats and you're like, it's he's it's, a, uh, it's unquestionable. He's a first ballot exactly, player. exactly. And so that's another thing about that process is that sometimes voters hold grudges and whatnot and that, whatever. But the Observer Hall of Fame, yeah, that lends us some credibility, but it's still it's like it's a newsletters hall of fame we could have our own hall of fame too if that's the case like <laughs> you know yeah. and a cauliflower alley you now that's difficult it's almost like a museum 
and they have their own Hall of Fame, and they have a ceremony where they induct people, and they give them plaques and stuff like that. That seems very official. Uh, you know, they have, a, like I said, the pro wrestling, like a museum out there, I believe. So that's dope, too. I have no, you know, nothing, no qualms about that one. Uh, so I don't know. It's just... You know, we're, we're, thing roasting, to argue uh, about? we're roasting, Mel- I'm, I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag, but we're roasting Meltzer for our Patreon next. It's going New Jack and then, uh, nice. and then Meltzer. But I'm thinking about, uh, we should start a Hall of Fame called the Wrestling Observing Hall of Fame. Just to piss off Dave, just, just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the Wrestling Overseer Hall of Fame. <laughs> the Wrestling Observance Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, yeah. So, of course, we got WrestleMania coming up this weekend. We got NXT yeah, man, tonight. I'm we excited. got AEW tonight. But AEW, and uh, not AEW, WrestleMania this weekend. Uh, without, We're not going to go match by match here, but what are some of the things that you're looking forward to this weekend on either night one, night two, or both nights, you know, whatever the case may be. What are some of the things you're looking forward to? Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the Tommaso Ciampa Walter match tonight. I'm looking forward to Kushida Dunn. I'm looking forward to O'Reilly and Adam Cole. As far as the as far as the main show, I'm looking forward to Bianca and Sasha. Even though I think the build has been, you know, they have only just the last couple weeks has the build gotten better. Yeah. That whole Reginald thing has been like, what the, what? Yeah, I couldn't uh, agree with you more about that. That was embarrassing. So, so weird, man. Um, I mean, I'm happy for the guy, you know, but Jesus, it's a terrible character for like, I mean, it's not a terrible character. It's terrible to have your top title, that character involved in your top title, especially the stakes, right? Where it's like, prob- it's probably going to be the first time ever two black women uh, are headlining a WrestleMania. And then you have this like, this, like, early 90s, like, because Reginald, like, this kind of character, the Somalia, this is like a mid-90s Duke the Dumpster Drossy the Goon type character, you know? Like, it is real, it's like, job. It's an occupation. Yeah. <laughs> it's an occupation character. Yeah, it's an occupation gimmick. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I am looking, f- I think they're going to tear it up. Uh, I'm looking forward to, I was kind of looking forward to Lashley and Drew until they broke up the Hurt Business. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the triple threat match the next night. I'm really looking forward to Owens and Sami Zayn. I think that that's, that's awesome for him. And, uh, yeah, so I, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to some stuff. Uh, I, I, w- I was looking forward to the Fiend and Orton because I thought it was going to be like a Firefly Funhouse match and they were going to like, you know, throw back to evolution and and do like that kind of this is your life thing they did with Cena, but it seems like they're just gonna have a regular match, which is so bizarre because they had they've already had like a Inferno match, right? So like they're doing like a, a regular match after an Inferno match. It's it's just so bizarre to me. Yeah, and we got it. We got one guy looking like a s'more in the ring. It's been burnt yeah. to a crisp, uh, yeah, fresh off like, the fire, uh, and. The uh, what's it from Nightmare Before Christmas? The Boogeyman. He looks kind of like that now. Yeah, he, he looks awful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, WrestleMania uh, two nights. Uh, I know why they're doing the two nights. I don't think this will be a thing moving forward. I, I assume the pandemic is why they're doing it over the course of two nights, so they can get twenty some odd thousand people in the stadium each night, equal it up to about fifty so without fifty thousand or so. So, um, but it, you know. It's a show, and I don't know if you know, Dan, you know, we usually don't talk about the current product that much because we'll just hate on it all the time, (laughs) so we got away from that, but uh, it's WrestleMania, so we'll talk about it a little bit more here, so 
Uh, and of course, Nick and I, we were on The Gambler with John Jansen and Jason Finelli talking about match-by-match predictions. But I'll go to you, Nick, real quick. Uh, some of the quick things that you're looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, Cesaro's first singles match at a WrestleMania is really cool. Hopefully he Oh, my God. It's his, his WrestleMania first singles moment. match. Yeah. I just realized that. Wow. Yeah. So I'm hoping that's a good moment for him. Uh, I think Seth's... The good, the the right person to put in that position to hopefully, you know, make Cesaro look good. Uh, Seth's got a good WrestleMania record. I think he's six and two, uh, including you know his cash in when even when he lost to Randy Orton earlier in the night at thirty one. So uh, we'll see, we'll see about that. Sasha and Bianca is my number one thing to look forward to this weekend over the two other men's title matches or Oscar and Rhea Ripley. Uh, I just I'm. I would hope it's main eventing Saturday night. Uh, deserves it. Deserves to be given uh, that spotlight. And despite the build that has been severely lackluster in the last few weeks uh, since the Royal Rumble, I think it's going to deliver. I think you know it's going to be one of the main events that we really enjoy. I think it'll, you know, both Sasha and Bianca are great at what they do, and hopefully they have good chemistry together inside the ring one on one in that spotlight WrestleMania main event uh, looking forward I think, to that. I think you're right. I think it's going to go at the end because I think that Vince is going to want to give drew the first pop of the, of the COVID era, post COVID era. It could be, it could be. And I, w- I would love to see Bobby Lashley retain, but I've like the last, this last week I've kind of figured, man, are they really just kind of using Lashley? So McIntyre can get that win in front of the crowd. If, and, dude, if they if Lashley yeah. retains after breaking up the hurt business, it would be the stupidest thing. Like it's like like either keep the hurt business and have the title on him, or but like they they broke up the hurt business and then they had Lashley beat up like beat up two guys at the same time, which is a babyface thing to do. So I'm like, <laughs> is he a heel or a babyface? What what do you what does he do? Yeah, my my dream right now is for like. I, I'm okay with McIntyre winning as long as Lashley gets it back maybe next month or the next pay-per-view two months from now. I want to see Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. Like That's my dream match at this point in any like professional wrestling realm. Uh, I would love to see that. I think it would be an intense match. It would kind of remind me of Goldberg and Lesnar, WrestleMania 33, which was kind of like just high intensity for five minutes and like just throwing each other around and stuff. I could see like a similar type match for that. So uh, that's kind of like what I'm hoping for down the road. I, I would think Brock Lesnar's coming back at some point. Uh, I would actually love to see him in AEW, but uh, if he comes back to WWE, that's what I want to see. And that's kind of like my only dream match left at this point. Yeah, they'll fire 20 the... Tyler Breeze. Sorry. No, I said they'll fire 20 Tyler Breezes to make sure there's a salary cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. Uh, just a reminder for the for goodbye, the listeners, Reginald. Like, <laughs> 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 you probably wonder where the hell is the WrestleMania 10 deep dive. Well, we're going to get to that after we uh, finish up with our guy Daniel Benjamin. Me and Nick will go all in, dive deep into WrestleMania 10. Talk about the opening match with Owen Hart and Bret Hart, the ladder match, the closing classic. of the show with Bret Hart and Yokozuna. Yeah, it's a classic, and we talk all about everything surrounding uh, WrestleMania 10, including the Bill Clinton impersonator. Who was there for no apparent reason whatsoever? <laughs> was he the personator? Uh, oh, couldn't tell, dude. He was he in like tell. three pay per views. He was at like Survivor <laughs> Series was, yeah. too, like yeah. and and I think either Rumble or SummerSlam. It was insane. 
It just doesn't make any sense. But couldn't Todd Pettengill didn't know. He thought it was he thought it was him. So, um, so we're well, going to talk all about Todd that. Todd Pettengill was like Howard Stern or something. <laughs> so, he was a Howard Stern of WWF. Maybe I don't know. But we're going to talk all about that. But uh, Daniel, again, thanks for joining us, man. On the Thank show. you both for having me. I really, I really appreciate it. And again, you know, check out Wrestle Roast. Uh, we got a lot of them in the in the can already, so there's stuff to check out now, and there's evergreen stuff, so you can go back and check out the old episodes. Uh, where people, where, where can people find you on social media? I'm at DS Germain on Twitter and Dan Saint Germain on Instagram. There you go. Go check them out. Very funny dude, and check out the Wrestle Roast podcast. Uh, especially the one about Hulk Hogan. That's what I'm going to listen to because I need oh, yeah. to hear him get roasted uh, by yeah. some folks out there. Yeah, check uh, it out before we're murdered by New Jack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah please, How please ironic would it be if uh, we roasted Hogan, but New Jack was the one who killed us? It would be like <laughs> H- Hogan's, race- Hogan's racist fantasies came true. It's like, I was telling oh, them, brother. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but it's, those, it's not just me. It's going to be Dan Soder, uh, Brian Moses, who is the uh, Comedy Central Roast Battle host, Benji Afala, Mike Lawrence, who won Comedy Central Roast Battle, Robert Karpolis, who does WWE Creative-ish, that Twitter feed, and Scott Chaplin, who's uh, been with me since the very beginning. He's hilarious. He's been on Comedy Central Roast Battle. There you go. Go check them all out. Uh, I follow the WWE Creative-ish uh, account, too. That's a funny account. So go check it out. And we're going to take a quick break here on the Straight Shooters. But when we come back, our WrestleMania 10 deep dive. Again, diving deep into everything surrounding the show all the way back in 1994. But again, thanks to Daniel St. Germain for coming on the show. And we'll catch you right after this break. You're listening to the Straight Shooters featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling past and present. The Straight Shooters Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio you'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best you can also listen to classic episodes of the straight shooters at shootersradio.com and now it's time it is time to deep dive to dive deep into wrestlemania 10 Back on March 20th, 1994. Was that 27 years ago? Over 27 years ago now? Your and math emanated, is good. Yeah. And it emanated from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Nick, before we kind of dig into the show, you know what I was going to ask you about? Where were you in life when the show happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to do that again. Where were you in life? Around this time, around March 20th, 1994. I know exactly where I was when WrestleMania 10 went on the air. I was outside playing with my friends in the neighborhood because this WrestleMania actually started at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and I remember that vividly. And I saw that on the poster. I was like, ooh. Yeah. And I think uh, I could see, like, in the upper levels, you can see, like, sun peeking through 
some yeah. of the concourses and it was just like oh what time did this start oh four o'clock okay yeah so it was still light I, I don't remember exactly when daylight savings started and ended i think nowadays it's it starts later and ends sooner so it might have still been we still might have been like an hour behind at this point so i didn't have very much time at like four o'clock you know like the sun's going down i might be dark by five o'clock or five thirty. so you know, I was still a kid, and even though, like, WrestleMania 10 was on the air, they made such a big deal about it, and I probably made such a big deal about it. I was outside playing with my friends, and my mom came out. She's like, WrestleMania starting! And I'm like, okay, I'll be right in. And I think I came in at about 4.20 or something like that. <laughs> what a time. But, uh, yeah, I was uh, uh, just carefree. I was, what, nine years old? Uh, maybe eight years old at this point. So still kind of wanted to... You know, play outside when I could, especially when the weather was probably nice and, and all that. Uh, but I was kind of excited. I, I don't remember if I missed any of the Brett Owen opener, but um, I definitely, maybe 420 was kind of like a rough estimate of what I thought I came in uh, to watch the show. But my biggest gripe was that I did not tape it. I was very sad about that. We didn't oh have we, we didn't have an available blank tape, apparently. Oh, so no. I never had it on tape until I bought it when when WWF when they were WWF released that WrestleMania box set back in like 1999 or 2000 or 98 whenever it was. WrestleMania 10 was actually the first purchase I made along with WrestleMania one and WrestleMania two. So mm. how about that? At one, some point in the future, we got to cover WrestleMania one. I don't know how fun that's going to be, but <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do it at some point. Sure, we we, we chose WrestleMania 10 because. We were going to do this originally with somebody who lived in New York, uh, and they were from New York, and you know, give their expertise on it, much like we did with the Blue Meaning when he gave his expertise on WrestleMania 15. Uh, please go check that out in the archives. Uh, just last week, not the archives, just last week. <laughs> um, but uh, WrestleMania 10 is, is, a, is was a, a show. That's the reason why we chose the show for those that are wondering. But uh, I was only five years old when WrestleMania 10 rolled around. And I wasn't really, I didn't watch this show live as it happened, um, but I was watching wrestling around this point. I know my brother was too, and this is like my first kind of this, that net new generation era of 93, 94, 95, was like my first foray into pro wrestling. That's when I first really started watching it. Bret Hart, Yokozuna, uh, Shawn Michaels, Lex Luger, Razor Ramon, all these guys. So, like the uh, as much yeah, as I didn't, yeah. I didn't watch it at the time. It still brings back memories of a time where I did. I was watching wrestling with my older brother. You know, maybe on Saturdays when, the, when Superstars was on or Raw. I guess I guess Raw was on the air at this point in '94. So, uh, so yeah, it's a little nostalgic for me. But I have no stories about where I was in life other than the fact that I was five years old. I had just turned five the month prior. Uh, living in West Philly, so that's all I got. <laughs> so, <laughs> was your brother at this time clamoring to like watch WrestleMania or trying to get uh, uh, I honestly, it ordered or anything like that? I honestly couldn't tell you. I honestly don't remember. Uh, but it wasn't enough to that, that you know, I could remember if it was anything. Right, you know, right? I, I was the real big wrestling fan, and when I when I came along as a wrestling fan in the later in the nineties, when I got addicted to it. That's when the pay-per-views mm. started getting ordered. I don't think mm. that was even on our radar in the early gotcha. 90s. I don't know what the financial situation was like for us in the early 90s, you know, yeah. Yeah. for us ordering pay-per-views. What was it, like 30 bucks back then? Yeah. 
I think yeah, the that was houses a lot. were like 20. They were, yeah. Right. I think they were like, the two-hour ones were 15, and then once they moved to three hours, it was like normal prices. Like, what the hell? <laughs> right. So back then, a pay-per-view that was 30 or 40 bucks, if it wasn't Mike Tyson on the card, that was a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or an Evander Holyfield fight. Because I know those fights were expensive. They're probably more than 30 or 40 bucks, but like... If it wasn't Holyfield or Tyson or even like a Riddick Bow, even uh, back then, uh, people wasn't coughing up that much money, uh, at least by today's standards. Yeah. Uh, but not much more than thirty or forty bucks. Thirty or forty bucks is not much today. I mean, it's it's, it's a you know pay per views cost now. I think Ring of Honor and I think AEW even charges mm-hmm. thirty or forty bucks for pay per views, but uh, it's not a ton of money. But back then it was you know it's a good amount. It's a good commitment. And if you ordered it, like you said, you damn well taped it. <laughs> you know, usually. Exactly, exactly. That's just and how that it was, was, you know, I learned early. You know, I th- the first pay per views my parents started ordering for me once I became a fan. Uh, we always had a tape in. I, those were the ones that I watched constantly, maybe once a week. You know, and I knew exactly where they were. I knew the label. Uh, I could. I started reading. You know, I was like, that says SummerSlam. You know, it's like that's how I grew up in, in learning so many things outside of school, uh, obviously with the closed caption on TV, like I learned words that I'd never heard of before and wrestling vernacular, you know, I learned a lot of words that I wouldn't have heard otherwise. It, you know, I didn't watch sports. Like I, I, I've said before, wrestling was my thing and then baseball eventually. But, you know, I, I didn't watch baseball the way I watch wrestling. I was hooked. I was glued to the TV when wrestling was on. With baseball, like, you can't really be glued to the TV even today because there's so much downtime. And I understand that even though I love baseball, you know, I'm not glued to the TV. So wrestling in, in that era for me, I was glued to the TV. I paid attention to every little thing. I was mad that they had black and yellow ropes at WrestleMania 10. I was like, what the hell? That was a Las Vegas thing for WrestleMania 9. Why the hell do they have it here? Like, that type of stuff always stood out to me, and I'd always had, like, a strong opinion about it one way or the other. And that was, that was it. And I, you know, I at this point, I had watched WCW, but I was never fully into watching WCW as a habit until the NWO came, so... Yeah, WCW that was wasn't even on our radar. It was we were right. a WWF house, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, uh, I would watch like yeah. Saturday night here and there, but I wasn't like connected to WCW programs the way I was WWF. Yeah, uh, bringing it to current times though, just a little bit. So I, we we usually watch the shows that we deep dive into on the WWE network, but now here in the United States, that is no more. If you're outside of the United States, that's one thing. Uh, but if you're here in the United States, unless you're using a VPN, no WWE Network. So this is the first piece of content that I watched on Peacock. Now, I don't know if you watched this on Peacock or if you found a way to still use. I did so not. So you're still using WWE Network somehow. We won't say how. Well, I, I, you know, I watched it two weeks ago before they officially, like, started the switch. Ah, so, yeah. Okay. I watched it last week after the switch. Mm. So I, I used Peacock. So you, you that was the last thing you, you say the last big show you've watched on WWE Network and it's the first show I've watched on Peacock hmm. and I know a lot of people have had things to say about Peacock even as recently as this week uh, with the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony because that's where a lot of people <laughs> watched it and a lot of complaints you can't rewind live uh, you know TV yeah. mm-hmm. different things like that uh, it was fine. When I watched this show, at least, it's weird that they had the seasons 
you know, this is season ten of yeah. WrestleMania. <laughs> you know, um, I just don't get it, but I get it. But I, I'm frustrated because it's like wrestling's a whole different dynamic, even though it's entertainment. Right. Like you, we want it our way because we're so used to how you know they they categorize things and organize. So when they start putting in the seasons and stuff, I just kind of like roll my eyes. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It just felt it felt like the the transition was very rushed. I don't know why. Maybe yeah. just Peacock, NBC wanted you know WrestleMania that bad that they was like, look, we'll get we'll work on the old stuff later. We're really buying this not really for the old stuff. We're really buying this for your current stuff. Probably I don't know, but they still don't have all the content migrated over from WWE Network just yet, mm-hmm. and the stuff they do have. It's not easy to find, and like I said, it's broken up into quote-unquote seasons, <laughs> which is weird. Um, yeah, the, and the WCW t- section is like what annoys me, because I started watching the old WCW Saturday nights, but now it's like they don't have all that, but then the pay-per-views are just like there. Like, there's no organization, so <laughs> yeah, let's hope they fix that. I would that. assume they'll figure it out at some point. Yeah. I know they, heard, they hired some extra people. I don't know if they were like interns or... Uh, right. People always assume this stuff is done by interns, and it always pisses me off. Yeah, I, I, you know, when I see that, I think of you because you've explained it even on this podcast in, in yeah. sports because you work for the Eagles. You know that we right. understand now, but when people like make I mean, those cracks, it, it is annoying. I mean, there's a difference between like an intern who's unpaid, which is unpaid internships are garbage for the record. Uh, but you know, they're not like slappy kid doesn't know what they're doing these are people who have background in these fields and they're we we have interns at the eagles we call them seasonals and we pay them mm-hmm. and we they they work throughout the season and they pretty much help us with our content with extra hands for us to shoot content produce it and whatnot so i'd assume that's what kind of what happened here is like, hey we need extra hands for this let's bring on some people just for this project you know not full time but just for this project and like you said, it always like chaps me a little bit when the people go, "Oh, that's that intern to produce that social media content. It's really good." It's like, no, I am a full time employee, sir. <laughs> like, I am thirty two. I am well beyond the age of internships. So and <laughs> I pay listen, my bills off of this. T- Ten plus years ago, I was an intern at IceWorks in Aston, Pennsylvania, and I remember there wasn't like a huge social media footprint uh, for them, and I was one of the ones that tried to start that. Uh, I didn't reap the rewards because it really started growing after my internship was over but you know that's kind of like you know we're 10 plus years later it's it's a lot different now the, the whole social media landscape is so different than it was in 2009 even 2010 so there's definitely not yeah. just interns running a bunch of like con- media conglomerate accounts <laughs> right yeah that doesn't make any sense but as far as just like watching something on peacock it's fine I mean, yeah, I've heard people say the picture is better. Like, I, I haven't really noticed. Did you notice any, like, clearer picture or anything off like top, that? top, I mean, I'd have to watch it again. I don't know if the picture is better, necessarily. I mean, I watched them from 94, so I don't know if it's right. going to be any better than, right. you know, what it was back then. It's still standard definition. Um, but, um, like, I watched the, the Hall of Fame last weird. night. I don't, but it didn't really I watched the Hall of Fame last night uh, it was on mute though in the background and you know, I didn't really notice any diff- like any better picture related hmm. to the WWE product that I you know was on the WWE network so but maybe that's just me maybe I'm not paying attention as much because it was on in the background 
Yeah, I did not watch the, the Hall of Fame because I that's I'm making a point to skip the Hall of Fame ceremony <laughs> these days. Even though I'm not, it's not no knocking against the people in the, getting into the Hall of Fame being inducted. It's just the show is not exciting to watch. Right, but right. Um, the commercials, I don't have the premium version that's commercial free. Mm-hmm. I got the normal version. So the commercials in during WrestleMania 10 <laughs> was kind of <laughs> weird. But I'm also kind of used to it because I use other streaming services like right. Uh, Hulu, I don't pay for the premium of that. <laughs> or uh, I, when I watch 90 Day Fiance, I watch it on a TLC website. Uh, and there's commercials at various points throughout that show. So I'm just kind of used to that. And it's like for a minute and then you're done. So, mm. but WWE Network didn't have any commercials like that where they literally, not like a WWE type of, hey, watch NXT this week. It's like, no, we're advertising a whole different product. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it's like you see the the, the the countdown for the ad. You know how many ads are coming up. Like that whole thing. I know some wrestling fans are a little annoyed by that. But yeah. I don't know. I, I just I didn't mind it really. That's just me, I guess. Uh, so there's plenty of kinks to work out with this. Because it just started a couple weeks ago. Uh, especially with the lack of timestamps. Where you can just skip the, like the chapters. You can skip to a certain part of the show. They don't have that yet. And that was a big feature that WWE Network added I mean, a couple years ago now, it's been a while since they've had that, uh, where you can see at the bottom, you can skip to a certain point of the show or whatever, mm-hmm. the beginning of the match and the finish of the match, too, I think, for a lot of shows. So that's something yeah. that Peacock adds at some point. But this is Peacock. This is, I mean, they're not catering just as wrestling fans, bro. Right. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. This is just their platform, and they're going to do whatever they want. If they're not going to do it for The Office, they're not going to do it for WWE Network. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is, yo. Yeah, and that's the I think that's the main thing that and we'll eventually come come to, you know, understanding that, but I think because it's so new and everything and we're just frustrated. I, I was frustrated. I don't I don't like not having the chapters. Like where am I gonna get my top pet and gill clips at or my Gene Oakland clips for my, my oh Twitter God. threads? Like You'll be actually, all right. <laughs> uh, cause the on WWE Network they, you know, had the had those moments uh on their own and I could find them easily, but uh, that was the main thing, but hell, you know, we're not going to say how, but I'm still going to utilize the WWE Network as long as I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Like, I'll watch WrestleMania on Peacock just because it's going to be the same exact thing, but like live shows I'll watch on Peacock, but when we're talking about on-demand stuff, uh, you know, I'm going elsewhere. <laughs> so back to 1994, back to WrestleMania 10, where there's no such thing as streaming services. Nobody knew what the hell that was. <laughs> Again, Madison Square Garden, according to good old Wikipedia, there were 18,065 people in attendance. This is the second of three WrestleManias that have taken place at Madison Square Garden. Of course, the first was WrestleMania 1, 1985. Yeah, this one is the second. And the third one, and probably the last as far as WrestleManias, mm. will be WrestleMania 20 from 2004. Uh, I don't see WrestleMania going back to arenas, period. Unless, like, we had a pandemic and they were at the Performance Center last year. But, like, when they get a chance to go to a stadium for a WrestleMania, they will do that. And they've been doing that every year. It's consistently every year since 2007. I know they did it, you know, WrestleMania 3, WrestleMania 8, 6, and uh, were in stadiums, and then they stopped. With WrestleMania, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12. And they didn't do it again until 17. And they did a couple. Then they, for some reason, went to it's the MSG, Chicago, and in L.A. Or L.A., then yeah. Chicago, I should say. But since 20, 2007, stadiums, right? Until mm-hmm. last year, of course, because of the pandemic. So 
we're probably not going to see another Madison Square Garden WrestleMania because when they run, when they want to go back to New York, they're going to go to MetLife Stadium, technically in New Jersey, in the shadows, quote unquote, of New York City. <laughs> yeah. So we probably won't have a WrestleMania within New York City limits ever again, unless somehow they find a way to <laughs> build an entire stadium within city limits, which I don't see how the hell that happens. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know, you know like. I mean, why not just one year? I know it's all about money, but man, for one year you get that nostalgic feeling in Madison Square Garden for a nostalgia. WrestleMania. Like, come on, nostalgia don't equal dollar signs, baby. <laughs> you know how much money they would have to charge for those tickets in order to kind of equal the amount of money they make yeah, for a like stadium show? Way. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like, but <sighs> you're going from eighty thousand, and you know you're charging them. I mean, the lower levels are in the, in the three digits, but even that, like. Or maybe in a four, you probably people probably spend a thousand dollars for those tickets for the lower levels. Mm-hmm. But you're going from that and the upper levels, like you know, hundred bucks. Maybe Noah's is like ninety for those upper level seats. Yeah, right? they'll probably be he's, even he's probably uh, more expensive. They'll probably be more expensive in MSG because my MetLife Stadium ticket in 2013 was ninety two dollars, and I was like thirteen right. rows from the top of the building. So right, MSG it'll that, be that definitely more than that. Right, that's also eight years ago too. So you're looking yeah. at, let's yeah. say it's 110 dollars now, right, for that same ticket. Mm-hmm. MSG is going to be way more than that because mm-hmm. again, they're going to try to match what they did, you know, what they have done in recent years. So yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, anytime soon. Yeah, uh, and and then they don't really run. Period. They don't run TV at Madison Square Garden anymore. Anyway. Nope. Nope. I remember so being excited when they went back. Anymore. They went back like a couple of years ago, I think, for like a Raw and SmackDown. I remember being really excited. Like these shows are going to be awesome, and they were just kind of like the same old Raw, same old SmackDown. I was like, man, it's almost yeah, like I MSG know. lost the, its luster for WWE. They did, they did the house show, the, the special house show in 2015 at MSG mm-hmm. with I forget who was on that card. I think Jericho was on that card and Kevin Owens or something like that. That was like 2015. Is that though. the uh, Lesnar Big Show main event or something like that? I think so. I think I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was. You're right. Which nobody cared about. But did, have they run TV there since? I don't think they have. Have they? I think it was. Yeah. They when SmackDown Live was on Tuesday. Uh, they they ran like the double shot at MSG. I just don't remember what year. Oh. Uh, 2016 or 17. Uh, I, don't I don't think don't it was remember. 18 or after that. But yeah, it was like. What might have been towards the end of uh, 2017, but I'll double check. I know that. they they did the Manhattan Center for some of that Raw. Was it Raw 25 or yeah, whatever it was? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did some some stuff there. That I think they ran Barclays. I don't know. Either way, uh, we're probably not going to see um, a Madison Square Garden WrestleMania. We, we don't even like I said see MSG TV shows. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, like you said, the show started at four o'clock, which was interesting. Yeah. Because the show, the kickoff show these oh, days hey, it at was, five. Uh, <laughs> it was Raw and SmackDown Live in 2019 in Madison 2019? Square Garden. Yeah, September. I have, September 2019? I have no yeah. recollection of that. Yeah, that's At all. That's why I, I feel like MSG's wow. lost its luster with WWE. So I mean, they still run shows there every year. And they, they always have right, that traditional. Right, with uh, TV, yeah. They Just always have the traditional there. day after Christmas show. Yep. Um you know, the December 26th show, but yeah, TV, they just don't do it because, you know, the unions and whatever they have going on there, it's a a complicated issue, but, Mm. um, but yeah, four o'clock start, like I said, the shows typically start the day at five and go into like two o'clock in the morning, 
<laughs> Except this year because it's two nights, so hopefully that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, this show happened, or this show pretty much kicked off what they refer to now as the quote-unquote new generation. Yeah, right. It was <laughs> we were already kind of in that, but did, that to- that term didn't really get coined until really this show. When Vince McMahon, we're gonna kick off the next decade of WWF <laughs> yeah. or World Wrestling Federation, all that stuff. You know, the new generation and all that. That really didn't start really until this show. At least mm-hmm. when they coined that term. At least, at least from what I, I don't. Did you hear that before this show? No, that stood out to me uh, right away when when he said that. It, you know, the end, I was like, oh, there it is. There's that WWF marketing where, you know, I don't notice it when I'm younger and watching, but, you know, watching them back now and obviously, like, you, you notice something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, I don't remember Yokozuna being a member of the new generation at all. So, yeah, not even Lex Luger, like, he wasn't a member of the new generation. You know, new generation to me is Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, obviously, like, those guys. So, uh, even I mean, Razor I would Ramon, have included... So. I would have included, but I would include Yoko's doing a new generation. I just never, like... I mean, if Razor's they, in it, Yoko's got to be in well, it. Well, I'm, I'm saying, like, the, the commercials they, they would run, like, he was just never gotcha, mentioned, gotcha. you know? Like, I never... And, I, maybe it was something I never paid attention to. I mean, it's possible. Maybe. I mean, Yoko, this is like his last hurrah on top, right? Yeah. Because he goes away, they try to get his weight into, in order, and it, you know he never really got back to the top of the card again. But to me, he's a part of that new generation talent. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but the t- the term doesn't really get coined until then because they they were firmly moving away from, and they were making a point. We're moving away from the Hogan's because Hogan was getting ready or either ha- had already signed with WCW, but we're moving away from Hogan. We're eventually going to move away from Savage. There's no Warrior, you know. Like mm-hmm. those guys are done, and these are the new. And they, like you said, they made it a point to kick that off or to, to really say that at the end of this show. Um, but at the same time, it was also the beginning of the downturn of the wrestling business as a whole in like ninety four, ninety five. So not just WWE, but also WCW. Um, Things just kind of went down as far as attendance and stuff like that, and just overall notoriety. Uh, but you know, WWF didn't do themselves any favors with some of the content they would put out uh, <laughs> over the next year or so. And you you know, like wait, you weren't a Waylon Mercy fan? No, I wasn't a Waylon Mercy guy. I wasn't necessarily an Adam Bomb guy <laughs> <laughs> or T.L. Hopper. You know. That's why they, they repackaged him as Uncle Cletus, and it was off to the off to the races. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, off to the races. Yep, <laughs> they sure were. That, that was the problem with T.L. Hopper. So they right. fixed, they fixed them. Right. Um. With that said, though, this show is still a landmark show. And I just love the build up, man. Ten years in the making the, was in my head. I was like, right, ten years in the making. I, I love the logo. I always thought we talked yes. about the poster yeah. from you know months back. We did our favorite pay per view poster ranking, so to speak, and this was one of my favorites. At least, definitely ones that I mentioned. At the very least, it was an honorable mention because it was of its simplicity. Uh, but this was a landmark show because, like you said, the build up with the whole Lex Express, and then you have that debacle at SummerSlam, and leads into the Royal Rumble where they. Pretty much like the crowd decide who they wanted to see be on top, and then you had the two title matches on this one. So 
Yeah, it was. It was an interesting, still a, a, a historic show. Looking back, uh, despite what happened after the fact with the downturn of the business, this is still a <laughs> a big time moment for WWF. Yeah, I think uh, like the, the I knew Madison Square Garden was the host of the first WrestleMania, so the. I didn't start watching until what four years before this, and the way they just hyped that and Todd Patton go, man, every Saturday morning, I was getting hyped on the way to this show. So uh, he did. He was such a good hype man for me that young because even though he was like corny, he was my guy, and he he was like the literally the guy that like Vince McMahon wasn't doing it for me, Jerry Lawler wasn't doing it for me on like Monday Night Raw. It was like Saturday Morning Mania. And uh, superstars still at this time felt relatively special, even though Raw was on the air. Uh, those were the shows that really got me hyped for, and maybe because they were on Saturdays. So, you know, I knew like Monday nights were becoming a big night for wrestling, and, but the pay per views were always Sunday uh, at this point. I think SummerSlam was the only one that was on Mondays by now, but yeah, man. Going into WrestleMania 10, I was like, "This is gonna be the best WrestleMania ever." Even though I wasn't like oh. a big, even though I wasn't a big fan of Yokozuna, you know, back then, I admire him now. But back then, I was just like, "Man, just somebody beat him." <laughs> we got to get Todd Pettengill on the show at some point. Yes, as much you know as you talk about him, as much as he means to you, we gotta I got to get Todd Pettengill on the show. I gotta reach point. out. I mean, once we get that on the show, I mean, we might have to stop the podcast because nothing will be as good. <laughs> <laughs> then we follow it up with baby earl <laughs> yeah. i'll mute myself the whole time <laughs> i'll have to <laughs> oh my god so the show kicks off we get a little look at you know the past a couple of wrestlemanias from the past they'll do this throughout the show look at oh big wrestlemania moments from the last nine years which is like all right you know yeah look back at some point mm-hmm. and then we get Vince McMahon in the middle of the ring, just straight up yelling into the microphone. <laughs> Welcome everyone to WrestleMania. Welcome to WrestleMania. Like you know, Vince, he's super over the top with this stuff. And then he introduces the legendary Little Richard to sing "America the Beautiful." And let me awesome. tell you, it was awesome. Number one, you're 100 percent correct. And Little Richard is known, and he's passed on, unfortunately. He passed away May 9th, 2020. He was 87. Hmm. And I think it's generally known that Little Richard is a legendary figure in music. I mean, pop culture. He's appeared on TV shows and stuff like that. I mean, everybody can try try to do at least a Little Richard impersonation. He was a pop culture icon, but I still, even with that said, I still think, don't think he gets the full credit he deserves as being one of the pioneers of rock and roll. You know, people know him, but I don't think they know his significance. I don't think they're really fully aware of his significance. The same goes for Chuck Berry, who's also a, a, a pioneer in rock and roll. Uh, and I just put him down as two black, another pair of black people that don't get the credit they truly, truly deserve, you know? Um, but Little Richard was out here, you know, ripping things up in these streets. <laughs> Playing rock and roll before a lot of people knew what rock and roll even before was. Before the or, civil rights movement, I had no idea that he was that old. <laughs> like honestly, I yeah. I thought he was a younger guy, and you know, I actually read on Wikipedia. You know, like he, you know, the fifties, like he emerged on the scene and was just like one of the most popular, you know, singers of that era. And 
I was like, man, the 50s. That was before, like, the Civil Rights Movement and all that, before, like, stuff I learned in history class. So it was definitely an eye-opener for me. Uh, I was a huge, like, Little Richard fan at that age. I guess if you... I wasn't, like, really into the music scene, but I knew who Little Richard was. And listen, a a few months after this, he appeared on Full House, (laughs) an episode of Full House as uh, Denise's uncle. So, uh, you know, I I watched that, like... Right after WrestleMania, I was like, man, Little Richard, man, he, he's popular. Uh, and you just said uh, Chuck Berry. He, I, I heard his song, Johnny Be Good, for the first time in history class, my junior year of high school. And we were going over, I think, uh, I think it was before the World War II, or maybe it was like around the same time. And we, my teacher was kind of like letting us know what was going on in America at that time uh, in terms of like pop culture and stuff like that, movies, stuff like that. And he played that song. I was like, man, this song rules. And I became like, I didn't know it existed until that point. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, Johnny B. Good. Like, Johnny B. Bad. That was Mark Merrow in WCW. I was like, is, is that a ripoff? Like, what, what is going on here? So everything always came back to wrestling for me. And even my junior year in high school, I was still like, you know, in a sheltered you know, life at that point and, you know, learning about these things. I'm glad I had the opportunity to learn about these things. And obviously, you know, in 2021, it's easier to, to find information, but um, definitely was a big fan of Little Richard and Chuck Berry. If you ask a lot of people, specifically white people, they would <laughs> say that Elvis is the king of rock and roll. He's a king. And it's like, eh, wrong. He just took what <laughs> black people did and uh, repurpose it for, for whites, for, made it palatable for them. The kings of rock and roll, if there's you know, two of them, Chuck Berry and Little Richard, they were out here doing things in, his, in these streets. And on this night at WrestleMania 10, Little Richard, you talked about, I didn't know he was that old. He was 61 years old Crazy. at the time he performed America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 10 and still sounded damn good at 61. Yeah, How many people can belt out a song like that at 61? You know what I'm saying? He was he was the, the charisma and the, and the, just the whole package. That man was a was a showman. He could he could he could he could do it. And he did a a gospel rendition of the song, which I had never mm-hmm. really heard a gospel rendition of America the Beautiful. He had the choir and all that. Yep. It was fantastic. So shout out to Little Richard. May he rest in peace. And same for Chuck, Chuck Berry as well. Moving on though, we got Vince McMahon on a call with Jerry the King Lawler. Who was making his WrestleMania debut? And the crazy that? thing is that it's crazy that, that for one, he was already a legend by 1994, known for you know his matches in Memphis and stuff like that. But of course, he didn't have his first WrestleMania match until 2011 <laughs> with, of course, Michael Cole. <laughs> yeah, Never had so a tag bizarre. team match at all, and that was his first one. So. Yeah, but Jerry Lawler making his WrestleMania debut on commentary here with Vince McMahon. And then we go quickly into the first match, which is the best match on this show. (laughs) Brother versus brother, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, still regarded to this day as one of the best matches of WrestleMania history. I consider it either one or a lot of people still consider it one as far as the best opening matches of WrestleMania history. And the only match that has any chance of competing with it, to me, would be Daniel Bryan versus Triple H from WrestleMania 30. But this is 
an all-time classic, obviously. We get a video recap about how the feud started and how we got to this point. And then we got to look at this ring announcer. Who the hell was this ring announcer on this show? <laughs> Wait, I looked him up. The, uh, uh, I don't remember his name. Go ahead. I looked him up. His name was Bill Dunn. <laughs> what? I had no idea who this man was. And I've watched these matches. I've watched this show. I had, I had no idea he was a ring announcer for the ladder match. You know, you sometimes just watch stuff. You're not really watching it. Yeah. Like, we watch it when we watch it. But, like, now we're doing the deep dives. We're kind of looking at things with a fine-tooth comb. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's when I'm like, who the hell? Where the hell's Finkel? <laughs> Where's Howard Finkel? As you see, like, we see him later. But it's like, okay, we'll make Finkel, like, the announcer for the rest of the night but no it was just, he came back this guy came back i didn't even get his name did they even show his name on the screen i, I don't recall they usually do that with the announcers at the beginning but i wasn't paying attention but i do like i can imagine i i'm picturing the guy now i know who you're talking about but i didn't even notice he was the announcer for this match so <laughs> yeah i'm just like who 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 who, who that how do you who not how do you not have finkel announce owen hart and bret hart come on why wasn't Finkel just announcing everything? What? What yeah. did he need a second guy? No, and no they had a bunch of ring announcers like through the younger my younger years, and I was I never like put two and two together. I was like, oh, they have a ring announcer for different shows. Like, okay, that makes sense. But like Howard Finkel at WrestleMania, you know, like come on, we don't need him just to appear for like that hair segment. Like, we need Finkel. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, what the hell is going? What the hell are they doing? <laughs> And you see why the business went down not long after <laughs> yeah. this because they were just they were ready to do this dumb the, stuff. The, but... the people wanted Finkel, damn it! <laughs> Finkel was not Einhorn. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Oh boy, uh, that movie it got a lot gets a lot of heat with the trans community nowadays for obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah, um, I, uh, I can see that. Um, I used to watch that movie all the time as a kid, but now I look back, it's like, oh, I see why people yeah. aren't necessarily keen on Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, in the year 2021. But we move back to 94, and we get to look at the, kind of the setup for WrestleMania 10. I always liked the short aisle at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, big fan of that. I always liked it, and eventually, probably next week or so, we're going to do a, kind of a ranking of our favorite WrestleMania sets, stages, whatever you want to call it. And WrestleMania 10 will be one of my favorites. I'm not sure if it's in the top five. We're not having done my rankings just yet. But this will at least get a mention on the show. I love the, again, the short aisle and the sliding doors with the X. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was dope. And then the lighting inside that little tunnel they had for each guy. I always thought yeah. that was dope. It created that little silhouette effect. You know, for each guy, uh, it was subtle, but I thought it was—I thought it was dope. That's just me. Yeah. So sometimes the uh, simple things uh, seem the best, and like the sets now are great. But uh, this is up there. Ever, you know, it was same thing with SummerSlam '98. It was at Madison Square Garden. They had the like the yep. highway to highway to hell gate and all that, and that that was great. They always made great use of that entrance for like their you know, pay-per-views whenever they were there. So, yeah, this was another one. I think this was the first, uh, was this the first pay-per-view at MSG? 
since SummerSlam 91? Ooh, that's a good question. I am not sure, but I, I don't think, think so. 93. So right SummerSlam that. 91, they had like the long aisle. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember watching that live. I didn't have that on tape, but I remember this kind of being like a unique entrance and maybe one of the first times I saw that MSG entrance the way it was uh, for a WWF event. So uh, definitely was cool. You could see like from the hard cam and the people coming out. You, you know, even at the end when they were coming out to celebrate with Brett, like, spoiler alert, but uh, it, it was cool to see that. And I, I liked that angle, uh, even though when I probably saw it for the first time, I was like, oh, what is this? But, you know, it grew on me. And now it's like one of the classic, you know, sets that WWE can possibly have. And it's at Madison Square Garden. Like, you can't get any better than that when you're in that type of arena. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really dope. Uh like I said, simple, yet very effective. Uh, first guy out is Brett the Hitman Hart in a trench coat. Not in his usual... Well, I guess he's the second guy out, right? Because Brett Owen came out first, uh, right? Yeah. I think. I'm not yeah, sure. Owen came Either out way, first, yeah. Owen comes out first. Brett comes out in his trench coat instead of a normal jacket, which I thought looked <laughs> dope, actually. I actually like the trench coat. It was a different take on his attire to the ring. And I always like the... the, the the very subtle storytelling they would tell, even with the entrances with these two. Like, Owen comes out, he has the shades, and he tears his in half. <laughs> yeah. Brett comes out, and he gives his to the kid. You know, it's just another layer of telling you, this guy's the bad guy, and this guy's the good guy. And they don't even have to touch each other or say anything to do that. It's just great little storytelling story uh, from Brett and Owen. Chipper uh, had Lola, those glasses. What's that? Do you ever have a pair of those uh, Bret Hart glasses? Ooh, I might have. I do not remember. I'm, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure, not necessarily the specifically Bret Hart ones, but I'm pretty sure I had a pair of shades like that as a kid. And they're just paper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you can even yeah. see through them things. <laughs> I got a funny story about this. Uh, oh, you got to share it. I think, uh, I don't remember if I got one at a event at the Spectrum uh, or if it was ordered like via catalog or whatever. But I had one of those uh, pairs of Bret heart glasses i called them even though owen started wearing them and i was like they're not your glasses but uh you know i had them for a long time and in this at this at march 1994 i was in third grade and i had it for years and i you know seventh grade comes and i'm just kind of like doing things in in a weird way like seventh graders are weird right so i had like a nick on my hand and it wasn't like bad. I didn't need a Band-Aid even. I wrapped a Bret Hart, those Bret Hart glasses around my hand just so I could bring it to school and use it as like a, like a, like a, what do you call it? Like a, when you sprain your wrist and you wrap it, that's what I was trying to. Like a splint? Yeah. Like I was like, I'm going to wrap it and I'm going to bring it to school and I'm going to keep it over my hand and stuff. So I'll have it with me. And right away classmates called me out on it they're like why do you have that on your hand and i was just like oh i'm just covering up a cut right there you see he's like that's no cut like what the heck is that that's like a pencil mark and man i got i got i got beat up verbally (laughs) not not physically but verbally so i took it off in like first period and uh you know i was like man bret hart's glasses man there's just one story of me just being really awkward with them but i loved them i loved them 
Bret Hart sunglasses getting you roasted <laughs> by were, your classmates. They were. They weren't even like that's not even a wrap. Those are are those like the are those shades like what, they didn't know they weren't wrestling fans. They didn't know like I think it even had the Hitman logo on it. But they're they oh my god yeah they weren't even they weren't uh, smartened up to the wrestling products. Kids are ruthless, bro. They will they tear are, you man. a new one. They, they are. I don't think there's any more ruthless segment of the population than children and in like middle school <laughs> yeah like yeah. you talk about tearing a kid's confidence and like <laughs> down and giving a kid's anxiety <laughs> go to middle school and that's what happens to a lot of these kids yeah. it starts in middle school yeah it's a damn shame so i'm sorry nick you had to go through that but yeah, also was, uh... you shouldn't have done that <laughs> <laughs> i was like it was like i was looking for attention but then i didn't want anyone to say anything about it you know and then mm. once they did i was like oh oh, oh god no this isn't good so <laughs> Speaking of roasting, speaking of roasting, it's a good segue into Jerry Lawler consistently roasting Stu and Helen Hart every chance he got, and it was hysterical every single time. I don't know why. I just I thought feel it was like, really funny. I feel like he was getting paid like every Hart family joke because he, <laughs> <laughs> like he just went like, at him. The, I, I'm assuming they were okay with it, and it's like maybe because they were okay with it, he would just go even even harder. Like. <laughs> Every time I turn around, he say something about them, and he was yeah. ruthless. Yeah, straight up ruthless to Stu and Helen Hart. Uh, I would hope they were cool with it, but man, he would go in <laughs> every time. Every from from and then it got to the point where he's feuding with Brett, so I know he was going in uh, at that point. So mm-hmm. you know, Jerry Lawler always just destroying Stu and Helen Hart <laughs> on commentary. But this match, I mean. There isn't anything about this match that we can say that haven't that hasn't really already been said over the years from fans uh, and wrestlers alike. You know, this match is a classic. I mean, like I said, from the entrances until the finish, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I think the problem I have with this type of story is the babyface is not really trying to convince you as a viewer that Owen Hart is in the wrong it's like Owen all he says is Brett gets all the attention blah 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 and like I figure you have Jerry Lawler making sense of it be like yeah like he he's right to be jealous because Brett's got all the attention and you're like okay well that makes sense but you know as a kid obviously I know like who's the good guy and who's the bad guy but why not just say like Owen's wrong like they both got the same amount of attention Owen's just an egotistical maniac they don't I don't I didn't necessarily think they hammered that point home and maybe it's a good thing I don't know cuz now I kind of hate the way <laughs> wrestling commentary is because they do beat you over the head with some of the simplest things that you're just like okay like relax like we we need subtlety here but there there was no subtle subtlety back then Whereas, like, why couldn't this man just be like, Owen's an egotistical man- maniac, his family says so, blah, blah, blah. Then you're like, okay, so Owen really is in the wrong. And they're not, like, trying to hype Bret Hart as the good guy, even though he's the bad guy. And maybe I'm just looking too much into it. Uh, that's the only, like, issue I had with how they started to portray this family feud. And I was like, well, no one's going back at Owen. Like, no one's telling Owen he's wrong. Like, did I miss that? Are family members coming out and saying, like, Owen's wrong? Like, you know, he's just an egomaniac. Like, I didn't really hear that much of that, even from, like, Lawler. Not Lawler, but, like, Vince or any, like, babyface. So that's why I think, like, 
people get the idea. Heels always tell the truth because he didn't really get, he didn't get like pushback. All he got was Brett getting angry at him. You know, that was it. Like, well, I think it's Owen being you know stabbing his brother in the back made him a bad guy. Right, it's a Royal Rumble, yeah. Yeah, he he deceived him. You know, that's number one. So his actions made him a villain. Uh, Also, from Brett's standpoint, he didn't really want to fight his brother. He didn't really want to engage too much in this. He he loved his brother. So, of course, uh, to me, it makes sense that he wasn't really uh, coming at his brother's neck all the time. Because at the end of the day, he still loved his brother, you know. And I thought that was a nice touch. They they didn't just suddenly become mortal enemies. After growing up with each other for years and loving each other, all of a sudden, now they can't stand each other. Well, I mean, which happens right. with siblings. Don't right. get me wrong. Uh, yeah, that's, but, that's that's a good point. You know, in Brett's case, he that what you know he he didn't want to be a mortal enemy. He, he he didn't want Owen to be his mortal enemy. He he still he wanted to be on the same page with his brother, and it actually probably pained him to really have to go through all of that with him. That's how I looked at it, at least. So. I, mean, I understand what you're saying, though. That's but. a good point. I just, you know, like, even Top Hat Girl, come on, Todd. You know, you're not, be like, Owen's, like, completely lying because whatever, you're, I'm more apt to believe Owen's telling the truth. But, you know, like I said, maybe I'm looking too much into it now, you know, what, 17 years later. Uh, no, way more than seven, 20, wait, what is it, 24? No, 27 years? Is it 27 years? Jeez. You said it earlier, and I totally lost track of my math, but that long ago, I'm kind of, like, not understanding. So uh, maybe it's just, like, the heel is telling the truth, and that doesn't make me feel good. Like, I want to cheer Bret Hart, but if, is he really, like, you know, a bully to his brother Owen, which kinda, that's how it kind of came across to me, even though, like, everyone start, was cheering for Bret, and I was still on Bret's side in this whole thing. Part of me was like, oh, well, they're making Owen seem credible in this. And in wrestling, that didn't compute with me. It was always like, heels always lie. So I'm thinking like, okay, Owen's lying, but no one's coming out and saying he's lying. So that's kind of how I looked at it back then. At the end of the day, Owen Hart wins, and he wins clean. No cheating. He defeats his brother, Bret Hart, for, I think still to this day, uh, the biggest win of Owen's career. And, and you know, fortunately, Owen's career was cut short, obviously. But uh, this was the biggest match, arguably, and the biggest win of his career. Uh, and like I said, he won in clean fashion, which obviously, I'm sure Brett had no problem, no issue doing for his brother. And it helped Owen, who eventually won King of the Ring in '94 too. So he was he was on a roll in '94. One problem though is that he had a lot of spittle on his face when he won this match. <laughs> That no one ever told him, like, hey, you should wipe that off before you do that promo. And he was like, nope. And they was just like, nope, let him go. Get the camera in front of him and let him talk after this match with Todd Pettengill. <laughs> Instead, instead of telling him to wipe his face, he just was just rolling with this promo with obvious spittle or whatever all over his face. <laughs> but again. Damn it, Todd. You have one job. Right. Somebody, anybody, help this man out. You know, this is your man's right now. He's 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 getting a getting a little bit of a push here. The least you can do is tell the guy to wipe his face off a little bit before he cut that promo. In the <laughs> ring, that's one thing. But once he got backstage, come on, somebody help him out. So we move on though from that classic, one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time, to Seymour Cy Sperling. 
What? <laughs> Wait, is, is, is Seymour his first name? Yes, I looked it up. Oh, Seymour wow. How about Cy that? Sperling. Wow. Cy Sperling, better known as the founder of Hair Club for Men. He was in the ring uh, with his back to the hard camera. <laughs> Nobody told yeah, him. I mean, yeah. I guess he's looking at Howard Finkel while he's talking, but it didn't create a good visual when you see the back of his head. No, but no. maybe that was just a subtle way to advertise Hair Club for Men. Like, look at the back <laughs> of my hair. My hair is all full because of my product. Check me out. So I'm here. There you go. But he's talking to Howard Finkel, who now has a full head of hair because of Hair Club for Men. And I'm thinking, like, I don't think I've ever seen Howard Finkel with hair. Like, this might have been, <laughs> that Hair Club for Men was legit, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, like, okay, I see it worked because you see Howard there looking like he's 20 years younger all of a sudden with that hair club. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't keep it. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe he just got tired of using it. Like, I, mean, <laughs> I totally forgot it. about it until I bought this on VHS, you know, like five years later. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, like the Fink had hair at that point. And now he doesn't. Like, what the hell? <laughs> right. And Vince is going, they like it. <laughs> I thought it was I real hair, too. Like I didn't know it. it was like a wig or a toupee or whatever. I thought it was real. I thought Hair Club was like, maybe Hair Club was toupee. I thought it was like a thing. Or maybe I'm I mean, thinking about, uh, what's the thing? Was it Hair Club or was it something else that we, it could actually regenerate your hair? Rogaine. I think you're thinking Rogaine, of Rogaine. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Hair Club was the toupees then, huh? I guess so. Maybe a I'm coloring too. It's hair replacement. Really? Interesting. Yeah, regrowth hair replacement. So yeah, maybe it wasn't toupees. Maybe so that, that, that's um, maybe, ah, oh, you know what? They were probably just... Like, we'll get you on WrestleMania, we'll hype your product, and we'll just give Howard a toupee, even though it wasn't technically from them. <laughs> I, don't I don't know what the deal was. This is weird. This is we just weird. It's just, it was odd. Uh, Cy Sperling, though, uh, rest in peace to Cy Sperling, just died in 2020 at oh, the no. age of 78. So, mm. uh, rest in peace to Seymour Cy Sperling. I said, I don't know if Cy is a normal like nickname for Seymour, but it was it was a unique I'll say that much. So. It is. It is. Cy Sperling. So we move on hmm. from that because WWE's got to get their celebrities <laughs> involved in the show somehow. Well, they didn't the move year off. prior, so or even WrestleMania right. 8, I don't think had any. So Right, but they was like, we got to get back on this bandwagon to be celebs, <laughs> yeah. bro. Yeah. And they did on this show. I forgot yeah. how much, in hindsight... Yeah. They involve celebrities in this show unnecessarily too. Like, yeah, yeah. WrestleMania 11, I think, needed some celebrities because the product was so bad. WrestleMania <laughs> 10 didn't necessarily need the amount of celebrities that they had, especially for the two title matches. But we'll, we'll get into it a little, yeah. a little bit later. Uh, moving on, we got a, a mixed tag, or I don't know <laughs> yeah. what the hell's going on here. Mixed tag. I don't Bam, know how. Uh, uh, I guess it's mixed, but <laughs> yeah, on one side. <laughs> Right, I, I don't know. It's it's uh, Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon going up against Doink the Clown and Dink the Clown. And the rules were Bam Bam could only go against Doink. And for the health and safety of Dink, <laughs> so he doesn't get squashed by Bam Bam Bigelow, he has to go against Luna Vachon, who honestly could probably beat everybody up in the ring on her own, but <laughs> she's limited to going against Dink uh, you know, in this match. Uh, I always thought Bam Bam Bigelow's music was hysterical. Just bam, bam. <laughs> and it was bam, him, too. <laughs> bam. 
And it was him. You know, like, it was him. And then at one point in the song, it's just him going bam, bam, like for like thirty seconds. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> bam, bam. Like, okay. I got right. the perfect idea for your theme music. <laughs> right. You just you become Bam Bam from the Flintstones <laughs> on this. Remember him? That's what you're gonna do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised they never put him like in a loincloth and gave him a club. <laughs> hey, maybe they we don't know that they copyright. never tried that. We don't know that they never tried that. Maybe, yeah, maybe they couldn't get the rights to the character of yeah, Bam right? Bam from the Flintstones. <laughs> maybe it would have cost him more money than it was worth. But I'm sure somebody had that idea at some point with Bam Bam Bigelow. Like, Probably. what if give him a loincloth? Give him a white wig, right? Because then Bam Bam have white hair or something like that. Did Bam Bam Bigelow had bald hair. Oh, yeah, hair, yeah, yeah, yeah. The maybe. Flintstones one, yeah. It was like white. Yeah, hair. not the, <laughs> the actual like, not wait, Bam what? Bam Bigelow. Come on, the cartoon. <laughs> Bam Bam didn't have. Not only did he not have hair, he had a flaming tattoo on his head. So, uh, that's that's strange. Well, <laughs> Doink comes out, hits Cy Sperling in the face with water. That's pretty funny. And uh, <laughs> I hope he didn't mess up his hair because you know head yeah, club right. for men, bro. Come on, let's get it together. Uh, but. Interestingly enough, Matt Osborne or Matt Bourne, the original Doink the Clown, wasn't playing Doink the Clown on this night. It was actually Ray Apollo. I looked that up. Oh. He's playing Doink the Clown. Um, speaking of Bam Bam, though, going back to Bam Bam real quick, he should be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Same oh, for so, Vader. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I know they did what they did. Go ahead. I'm just. <laughs> Since they do it every year, like we would think that maybe they would do more, I guess, older people from like years past and current. So I get that. I get that. I, I, I'm certain they're eventually going to be in there. I guess it's just people want them in there now because you know they've either passed away or uh, they were in you know the business 20, 25, 30 years ago, thirty plus years ago. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism comes from when it comes to the Hall of Fame. And even though I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, well, there's always next year. There's always next year. At the same time, I have to remind myself. Well, then, like, you, you have the Bella Twins getting inducted, and they're absolutely worthy of being inducted, but you can't save them until next year. Like, But then at the same time, you don't know where you're going to be a year from now. So I understand that. So. Yeah, Bam Bam and Vader absolutely belong in there. Um, you know, you're hoping sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, they're both, they've both passed on. So, I guess in their minds, like, we don't have to rush it. But also, it's Which like, is weird. do it, man. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Right, but I, I, they kind of... We talked about this in the past, how they kind of, like, book the Hall of Fame almost. They have, like, a headliner, which who would have been this year's headliner? I'm trying to think. Um, well, the last, last year would have been Batista. The last one uh, that went on the ceremony was Kane, and he can't possibly Kane? be the headliner. <laughs> I guess maybe they didn't do. I mean, the Bischoff NWO should have been the headliner, headliner, honestly, or the NWO or Bischoff should have been the headliner. But apparently, Kane went last last night, which is crazy to me. Well, I mean, whatever. Kane Kane deserves it though. I mean, whatever. I'm not yeah, but not a that, but not as just, a headliner to me. Not as a headliner. So. Mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying there, but they always try to book like a headliner, kind of like, a, I won't say like a mid-card act or something like that, like <laughs> a semi-main kind of. <laughs> they always have a top woman, and this year that was that would have been Molly Holly, because congratulations to her. 
Uh, yeah, JBL. This should, maybe JBL would have been the semi-main for this year's class if there wasn't like two <laughs> classes, right? Yeah. Because last year, like I said, Batista and the NWO would have been like the two big uh, right. names, and I guess British Bulldog would have been somewhere somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever. But and, but they always have like a, a tag team typically, and they have someone they induct posthumously. So for this class, it was British Bulldog, right? He would have been. The posthumous yeah. induction. Yeah. I'm not sure if anybody got in on the 2020 because I think British Bulldog was a part of the 2020 class. Um, yeah. and then I don't know if they had anybody for this one, but I guess WWE's mind we don't want to have two people going at the same time posthumously, but I don't know, yeah. it, it's got to happen at some point. Bam Bam and Vader both got to be in two of the best big men of all time, so. And who's to say you can't, you know, do two a year, two ceremonies, one at WrestleMania, one at SummerSlam? Why not? What's it, uh, the way the WWE Hall of Fame is? Who cares? It's a marketing ploy, right? So just do it fair. twice a year. <laughs> but you still want to kind of make it seem real? <laughs> I don't know. It, no, you're right, though. You're 100% right. That's why it's not really worth arguing about who gets in and who doesn't. Like, I think those guys are worthy for that legacy mm-hmm. cemented. Uh, it's just like it's really just WWE. We just really getting on WWE for what are you waiting for? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> There's no voting process, and like, if somebody like somebody didn't get voted in, like you know, how many years do we have to wait for? You know, when Brian Dawkins didn't get into Pro Football Hall of Fame at first, it's not the NFL's fault. It's the voting process. Blame the voters, right? So it's not like the Pro Football <laughs> Hall of Fame sitting back going, "We don't want him in." It's just it, that process has to get done. With this, there's no voting process. Just whoever they decide to get in. Now they do have that legacy, right? Uh, Those legacy inductees, and but they're like mainly for you know the 1900s. Those are guys that have been around. (laughs) That were guys like literally decades ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're watching wrestling today, you more than likely you saw. I mean, if you're our age, I should say at least, you saw Vader wrestle live. You saw Bam Bam wrestle live. I remember watching Bam Bam and Vader as a kid. As a kid, so you know they're not. Like a, a, te- a promoter from the fifties, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> yeah. who died in the seventies? Like, come on, yeah, like, yeah. You know that, that's a little different to me, but no, it is. Uh, and just, I wasn't trying to like say they they could be part of that. It was more like, well, they they recognize people, uh, you know, a handful of people every year in those legacies. So maybe just having more, maybe having more than one posthumous induction isn't like that big of a deal but in their eyes maybe you know it's too much who knows you know you have you to have three you know families that you know still grieve you know you always grieve over a loved one i'm gonna grieve over my mother's passing last year uh for the rest of my life um so you i can't tell anyone how to grieve but uh if you have like three of those in a row maybe does it break down like the audience i don't is that what they're right. thinking i think that's their concern so, i think yeah. that's a concern that you don't want to bring them down too much it's still a, a, a joyous occasion yeah so on one end i understand it but it's like for bam bam there's nothing you can really do he died too young unexpectedly you know that's yeah. one thing but for mm-hmm. vader they should have put him in while he was still alive right he was he inducted yeah. somebody right he, he inducted stan hansen yeah so it's not like, you know, they had no relationship with him at all, nothing like that. He wasn't around in recent years. And that was only like, what, five, six years ago, whatever it was, when he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they, they had their chance. So there's really no excuse when it comes to uh, Vader 
uh, you know, inducting him when they had a chance when he was alive. So, yeah, that was St. Hans in 2016 when they inducted him. So, I don't know. That's a little spiel about that. <laughs> um, I put here that evil Doink the Clown better than The Fiend. And I know some people out there may agree. And I know some people out there will vehemently disagree, including our boy uh, Jason Finelli, who <laughs> we do the... Uh, <laughs> The, the gambler shows with a uh, good thing he's not on this show because he probably <laughs> slapped me through the microphone. But I, I'm, I'm the guy that's at the table with the sign in front that says, you know, prove me wrong yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it, change, you know? change my mind. <laughs> yeah, change my mind. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Evil Doink, better than The Fiend. The Fiend, I, you know me, I'm not a fan of the supernatural stuff. Never been a fan of it. Now he's walking around looking like a damn s'more. Right off the campfire. I don't have any time for this. <laughs> you do, though. Like a, a fresh s'more, fresh off the fire. I ain't got time. Mm. We're doing with the evil music. And there were, I know some people will say, well, there's some supernatural elements to him. Not necessarily. I mean, you can say that oh, all the doinks were supernatural. It's like, no, that could have been just his homies dressed up as clowns. So you don't know that. Like, could have just been a, a gang of clowns that all dressed alike. You don't know. You know? <laughs> You ever watch the Warriors when they had the baseball theories? They were just a bunch of clowns who dressed alike. That's all. But I don't know. I like Do- the evil clown doink. I also was a fan of It, who also is a supernatural clown, but that's a movie. That's different. So, I don't know. I like the <laughs> yeah, evil Yeah, but doink according to Vince, they make better movies. Better than, than The Fiend. <laughs> so, I don't know. That's just me. Fight me if you want to. Change my mind. You can try to change my mind. You probably won't, but... Whatever. So when they turned Doink face, they completely ruined him. In your mind. I think so. I think they I think Evil Doink was better than Babyface Doink. My opinion. Mm. Mm. But I'll take both over the fiend. Walking around looking like looking like burnt yams. Like I can't <laughs> do it. I cannot do it with mm. him. It's oh just look at this man on TV. Like <laughs> look at him. What the hell? <laughs> looks so stupid. Oh my god! It makes sense given that he was set on fire. But come but on, it's, bro! It's still like a, a weird story that I'm just kind of I'm it's almost bizarre. over it. I appreciate the uh, uh, the attempts <laughs> that everyone <laughs> is making, uh, every all the talent included and the people. But um, I'm almost over it. Yeah, bless their heart. They're giving it all they got, but. I'm just not buying it anymore. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, though. He won this match with a diving headbutt. Mm. And then Luna continues the beating when she beats up Dink after the match. <laughs> and they're about notice? to do as. Oh, go ahead. Was this after the match? They're about to do a splash spot. Yeah. They're... <laughs> and Dink rolls into Luna's <laughs> by mistake. And it's like. That was looked like an accident, at least. I don't know. It did. I he think it was a out of the way of He rode out of the way of Bam Bam, which would have ended his life. <laughs> and <laughs> and into the way of Luna, which she had to sell she for some did. reason. She sold. Because she, she was supposed it. to miss him. Yeah. And so falling under Luna or, land, or having Luna land on you is much different than having Bam Bam land on you. Uh, but no one cared either way. The fans watched this and just like, wow, we are ready to move on. Please and thank you. 
Oh, that was funny. And then uh, I think Bam Bam was supposed to go after Dink, but he was really hurt. So Dwayne had to trip him up, and it looks so bad. So then, like, Bam Bam rips Dink's mask uh, just to kind of cover for himself, looking ridiculous. But, yeah, a whole bunch, a whole mess here. <laughs> a whole mess. A whole mess. Not half a mess, but a whole one. <laughs> At WrestleMania. <laughs> when you don't want to have a mess, that's what they had this mess at. Imagine uh, Twitter on. back then. They were like, Bam oh Bam with Doink at WrestleMania. He deserves so much more. <laughs> right. They're the biggest, <laughs> best big man in the business. Is he wrestling a clown? Come on. <laughs> I, I don't know. But we move on from that to something even worse. <laughs> to a Bill Clinton impersonator. Uh. And I wrote, when, when wrestling promotions are desperate... They seemingly instantly hit the presidential impersonators button and just go right to that. Like, I don't know why. What was the purpose of this? I, I, I could not tell you. Because it's in New York City. It's not even like it's in Washington, D.C. Right. Which they did that, by the way, two years or a year and a half later, the Survivor Series. But I think this is the same guy, the same impersonator. <laughs> I'm sure. He's probably made a lot of money doing that. At first, I didn't think they were going to get the uh, close-up because they started, like, real far away. And I was like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. They're trying to make us believe that it's Bill Clinton. But then they go with the close-up, and I was like, oh, okay. So they're they're not that bad. <laughs> right. And then the problem was that every time they would go back to this guy, they would play it totally straight yeah. as if it was actually yeah. him. Yep. So Macho Man meets him, or, yeah, or not Macho? Was it Macho Man or IRS? Uh, IRS and Tibiasi. Top Hat was like, "I'm like, so nervous." Right, and they're all like, "Mr. President, not to meet you." It's like it's not him. What do you all? This is when people talk about you insulting our intelligence. This right. is a prime example right here. Right. We all know what the president looks like, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, that's one person. That's the most. He's probably the most recognizable person in this country. Y'all can't play us like that. Why I'm do y'all? Sure, why did they do this? WWE. I, I, I'm sure my parents were like, "That's not Bill Clinton." Like, what are they doing? I, I, right. I, I wouldn't know either way. You know, as an eight year old, but maybe, uh, maybe <laughs> back in the standard definition days, it was hard to tell. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was like oh, you look at it real close and you're like, um, uh, that could be him. It sort of sounds like him. Maybe that's him. Like, I don't know. Well, he goes but, to WWF events, but not WCW events. <laughs> right. I don't know. Oh well. Because <laughs> who gives a damn about this? They paid this paid this guy money for what exactly? They did. And talk about. I think he was like talk about celebrities in the house. <laughs> right. We got the biggest celebrity in the free world, the president. <laughs> By the way, no, I love Presidente. This was like later, but when IRS says congratulations on raising the taxes, I cracked up. Because I looked, I looked back. I was like, apparently there are people mad because he did raise taxes, but it was for the uh, maybe it was for the wealthy or something like that. But yeah, oh my god, like he was like, congratulations on raising the taxes. So you're like, you're thinking as a viewer, and obviously this is WWF's mo at this point with Vince McMahon that if IRS is agreeing with something you did as president of the U.S., then you're the bad guy. So it's just crazy to look back at this. Well, yeah, IRS is happy because tax money means more money for the IRS. <laughs> but exactly. That, oh, so like said, and he's agreeing with the president. So he, the president must be bad, 
Right. The president wants to be bad. You're right. And, and raising taxes for the wealthy definitely just pisses off Vince McMahon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Definitely pisses off Vince McMahon. Yep. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand what the hell is going on here. So, moving on to something else I do not understand. Really? The rules of this next match. <laughs> we got Falls Count Anywhere. We got Randy Savage in his final WrestleMania appearance. Going against Crush. And the rules of this match, again, still don't really understand it to this day. We have falls count anywhere. Not one fall, though. It could be as many falls as possible. You can pin them anywhere. I think it had to be. I think the pinfall had to take place outside of the ring. Yep. In order for this to work. Because once you pin a guy, they then, the guy who was pinned, then has 60 seconds to return to the ring. Or they would lose. And it's like, what? Is this like a reverse battle royal? What what is this? <laughs> is Vince Russo booking this? <laughs> right. What? Like what is what is this? this They've is... cleaned it up over the years where Falls Count Anywhere is just another type of match with except mm. it's a street fight, except that falls count anywhere. This was just dumb. I didn't understand this at all. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen a match like this. Yeah, I think this was like my first Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh so I thought it was like normal. I was like, oh, this is kinda cool. But you know, I I obviously agree falls count anywhere with literally there being one fall that could count anywhere is much more uh, entertaining than uh, we even saw like savage pushing crush out the ring just so he could pin him but he's like right at ringside so he gets right back in the ring like i was like yeah that's, i, I love this storyline heading into wrestlemania but this match just uh didn't do it for me i guess as much as i love randy savage i guess from ww standpoint they wanted they wanted to have a way for this match to end in the ring. Somehow, I guess. With someone in yeah. the ring. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. But this wasn't it. It was like a hybrid Iron Man and Last Man Standing <laughs> match. In one, it was weird. It was bizarre. Instead That's of a, a good 10 call. count, it's a 60 count. Yeah. That, there could be as many falls as possible. Like, soon as Savage gets to the ring, he gets the hell beat out of him, and he gets pinned. <laughs> right away. Like, Crush comes out and just beats the hell out of Randy Savage right away. Whoops his ass. I mean, leaves him in a heap right in the aisleway. <laughs> like, like, it's like, damn. And then Savage barely makes it back. So, And then, you know, they go back and forth. But I wrote that Crush's mullet was immaculate. <laughs> I mean, I know people don't like mullets. They're like kind of faux pas kind of fashion thing nowadays. But you got to appreciate a good mullet, all right, when you see one. And Crush had it. It was like it belongs in the Mullet Hall of Fame if there is such a thing. Like it was like long and flowy. It wasn't like short and like ugly. It was long. It was flowy hair. It was like, damn, like, go ahead, Crush, with your mullet. Like that was dope. <laughs> and I was reminded that the kid from Baylor who just won a national championship, there's one kid on plays for Baylor's basketball team. A white kid, obviously, <laughs> who was rocking a mullet. And it's like, what the hell? What's going on? Is a mullet coming back? Whatever. But on this night, Crush had the mullet of all mullets. Like, <laughs> shout out to him. His mullet's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah. He, it belonged in the Mullet Hall of Fame. Like, if there is such a thing. Uh, Savage got the second fall. Which left Crush apparently unconscious on the outside of the ring <laughs> to the point that 
Fuji had to walk over and throw water on his face, which I, <laughs> I honestly thought was a nice touch. I kind of like that. Where do you get the water from? Come on. <laughs> and they always have water at ringside. Always. As far as I know, yeah, people commentators get thirsty. <laughs> people at ringside need stuff to drink sometimes. So hmm. not surprised there was a bottle of water there. I just like the fact he threw it in man's face so he can wake him up. Probably ruined his, his, uh, his makeup. Yeah, I guess, but this match ruined everything. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, like you said, you remember lo- liking the like the build up to this match. For whatever reason, when I first watched this match, I liked it. Like years ago, I was like, "Oh, this match wasn't that bad." And then I watched it again. I'm like, "Why did I like this match again? What? Why? <laughs> this match is weird." And a weird ending where Savage pins Crush backstage, ties um. him up by his ankles. So I guess Crush Which is just great. So he can't get back to the I, ring. Can't get back to the ring. They count to sixty, and while they're counting, Jerry Lawler yells out the line of the night. Because if you're watching this in 2021, you hear this totally different today, where he yells, "Stop the count!" <laughs> <laughs> wow, I missed that one. That's great. You missed that how? <laughs> I I don't know because dude, I make oh, tweets with man. that joke. I have no clue how I missed that one. I was. I guess Stop I was paying. I guess I was paying attention to uh, Finkel's countdown. <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled a little bit when I saw that. When I heard that. So moving on from all of those shenanigans, we got Todd Pettengill interviewing "quote unquote" Bill Clinton. Um, and like I said earlier, they played this totally straight. Like you said, Todd Pettengill's all nervous. Oh my God, it's the president. And Clinton talks to IRS and you know congratulates them on raising the taxes. It's very bizarre stuff. Very bizarre stuff. Then we go to a recap of what they called back then just fan fest for WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You look at it then, it's a far cry from what we know now as access with two X's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, access. Uh, but. That takes place in a, usually in a big old convention center with a whole lot of exhibits. This was just, you know, I think in the, the theater of Madison Square Garden or something like that. And, you know, it was a nice thing, but mm-hmm. it's grown uh, exponentially over the years. Uh, but it's always interesting to look at it back in like the early 90s and see uh, what it was back then as compared to today. And then we got, you know, Randy Savage <laughs> hanging out in the theater at Madison Square Garden where all the fans are watching on closed circuit. He just runs into the f- crowd. No security. Yeah. Just He's just there. It's like Who knows what happened to him on that night? <laughs> just amongst the people uh, in the theater at Madison Square Garden. We didn't get a recap of WrestleMania 4 because, you know, that's when Randy Savage won the mm. WWF title in the tournament, uh, defeated Ted DiBiase in the final. Uh, so we get a little recap of that. And then we move on to the WWF Women's Championship. Alundra Blaze defending against Leilani Kai, which I'm pretty sure there's no relation to Dakota Kai, but, you know, or Cobra Kai, none of the Kais, so. <laughs> they even spelled her name wrong on the Chiron. Oh, no, they did? Yeah, it was K-E-I, and it's usually her name was K-A-I. That's embarrassing. So, yeah. Le- Le- Leilani Key, good job. <laughs> good job. It's even uh, K-A-I on, like, their website, so. It just cracks me off that they did that. That's how much they. But they even the did that division. with Alondra Blaze. I posted a screenshot. Uh, they had Owen Hart's name show up when they showed her. 
Oh my god. They yeah. didn't give a rat's ass about they the women's division. Jesus. <sighs> Y'all made the name like come on. Y'all can't get the names right? It was only up for like a split second, but still, it's like come on. It's still bad. Uh interesting note about Lilani Kai. This is not her first WrestleMania appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, she appeared at their first WrestleMania she in did. the Women's Championship match against Wendy Richter. So that whole that. thing with, uh, who was it? Who was the rock star they had? Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper, of course. Yeah. How can I forget Cindy Lauper? A legend in her own right. Uh, so that whole thing with the rock and wrestling connection and all that, well, Wendy Richter went up against Leilani Kai on that night. Jerry the King Lawler. Being a terrible as usually is, said that Alonzo Blaze had a million dollar body with a ten cent face. Good lord, bro! Oh my goodness, <laughs> Jesus! Medusa is never—I never considered her an ugly woman. What the hell did that come no, from, man? I was all about her, right? Come on now, especially in WCW when she went back there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, things changed in WCW. Let's just say that. <laughs> When she went back. A couple things changed. Some th- a couple things. Two things in particular changed when she went back to WCW. Um, but she's still attractive the whole time. Even 100%. Without those, uh, 100%. Uh, uh, what do we call it? Enhancements. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just say that. But, but this this match was short and uneventful, and I'm not sure it benefited anyone. I mean, they got paid, but. Yeah. Short uh, German suplex win. I was kind of like, wow, that. That ends matches. <laughs> I'm so used to like finishers and whatnot, or small a small package or something, but nothing like a like German suplex could be a finish. Like that's weird. <laughs> yeah, this was not much to speak of here, and not much to speak of the women's division in WWF at this point. And it didn't last too much longer after this. I think it went to '95, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we move on from that. To recap of WrestleMania Five now, when the Mega Powers exploded, we gotta talk about that show at some point. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the future, not now, obviously, but in the future. I think uh, we could we do definitely do a two, four, five, six, seven uh, type thing because I have a lot to say about all those. There you go. We can do it. We can well, make it happen. Maybe next year for WrestleMania, yeah. and I build up hundred percent a march to WrestleMania, so to speak. Right. Um. We move on to the WWF Tag Team Championship now. We have men on a mission going up against the Quebecers, who are the champions coming into this match. And I wrote, and I thought about it. It's like, men on a mission, they were pretty much the first rap gimmick in wrestling history? Like, like I don't know if there were too many rap gimmicks. Not gimmicks, but like, you know... A, a, a persona, a character that was based around somebody rapping in, in Oscar or hip hop in wrestling at all to this point, definitely in WWF. And this is the early 90s, so that's quite possible that that was the case. I don't, do you recall anything involving rap? I know like Run DMC, I think, performed at a WrestleMania, but like, Jeez, that was as before far as my wrestlers, time. <laughs> yeah, uh, but like, for as far as wrestlers, was uh was in WCW was uh I mean I didn't watch it much back back then I don't was too cold Scorpio based on like hip hop uh, I know he danced but I, he didn't he didn't like sing or anything like that no um that would be the only one that came to the top of my head yeah I, I never thought of too cold as like a hip hop type of character okay yeah maybe that's just me. 
Yeah, uh, I don't maybe, know. You know, don't maybe know. I have to go back and watch it and we'll take a look, take a keen eye, keen look at it. But uh, yeah, I never. He looked. He was more like. He was one of the guys that stood out to me on WCW TV because he would like you know dance and do all these like crazy moves while right. like dancing and stuff, and it right. just kind of gravitated towards me. I looked at Scorpio as more of a musical character when he became Flash Funk. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And he was true. doing the, was he was he doing like the music videos and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, like I mean doing those dances down hey down MSG down that aisle down that same aisle that we're yeah, talking about yeah. at WrestleMania. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, but Men on a Mission is, to from what I can remember, is one of the first like rap kind of. I keep saying gimmick, but and that I can remember in wrestling. So I don't know. Yeah, it was and it then, was hurt. It was hurt by uh, Todd Pettengill's uh, ridiculousness. I will I will say that. I'll admit that. <laughs> and I, I still stand by that Oscar probably the best rapper in wrestling history. I don't care what nobody say. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody say Oscar had bars. <laughs> All right, you hear that, Brian Isley? Oscar had bars. All right, and he was coming up the top of the dome with a lot of that stuff. I don't care what nobody say. But after their entrance, WWF just cuts backstage to Ronda Shear and Burt Reynolds as they interact with Shawn Michaels. And Ronda Shear was a TV host personality. She hosted, I think, it was called Up All Night on USA or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And and Burt Reynolds was. A legend. I mean, come on. We we all know Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. He's done a whole bunch of movies. Cannonball Run, The Longest Yard. Uh, was it Cannonball Run? No, Smokey and the Bandit. A whole bunch of movies. He's done a whole bunch of them back in the day. Um, so I used to always get him mixed up with Tom Selleck. <laughs> with Harrison Ford? What? You said Han Solo? No, no. <laughs> Tom Selleck. <laughs> oh, Tom Selleck. I thought you said Han Solo. I was like, what? <laughs> like... Harrison Ford, that's weird. Okay, so Tom Selleck. Okay, yeah, I always yeah, got those mixed up. But. They're definitely closer, yeah, the, the, the mustache. The, it was, it was a mustache, because I would go to, like, the video store and see, like, Tom Selleck on the cover, and I'm like, is that Burt Reynolds? Like, right, <laughs> and vice right. versa, so. Right, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, Han Solo? How did you do that? Um, I don't even know who that was. You don't know Han Solo? No, what is that? Star Wars? Bruh, we are on the podcast, and you said, who is Han Solo? You about to edit this out, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Because people are going to be coming after you with pitchforks (laughs) and torches. Indiana Jones? Who is Han Solo? Yeah, the same person played both characters, Harrison Ford. Okay. They did a whole movie about Han Solo a couple years ago. Really? It's called Solo. Oh. Hope Solo? Stop. All right. We're moving on from <laughs> this. Uh, they, they're they interacting with Shawn Michaels. And then Burt Reynolds, I guess, steals Ronda Shear from Shawn Michaels. And then they start flirting with each other <laughs> yeah. on screen. He said, like, go shave your chest or something. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It was just weird placement right in the it middle was. of like it was these entrances because then we go to back to the ring and the Quebecers are in the ring with Johnny Polo, aka Raven. <laughs> but what the hell was going on here? What was this? This was uh, like the tag team titles were on the same wavelength as the women's title at this point. Pretty much, like they did not hold very much weight at this point. Pretty much, and it took a while for them to sort of bounce back. I mean. 
I'm trying to think. When did they become a thing that people cared about again? <laughs> WWF <laughs> or the WWF cared about again? Ooh. Yeah, no idea. Man, a couple years at least. Maybe by the time, maybe a year when Owen Hart and Yoko hold it, then Owen was trying to make it like important again because he finally held a title. So kind of maybe yeah, built like, from there. Even still, you got smoking guns and yeah. Yeah. The, uh, who was it? The, uh, who's the farmers? Uh, damn, what are their names? The Godwins. Um, the Godwins. <laughs> <laughs> and like New Blackjacks and stuff like that. It was a rough time for tag teams. <laughs> it, it was bad. It was real In bad. In the mid-90s. Until like the New Age Outlaws. And that was pretty much it. I mean, I guess Nation Domination. Can't forget them. And the World Wars came along in like 97. But mm. it was tough. <laughs> it, was, it was tough there. Uh, I had a thought of, I remember that um, Men on a Mission had whoop, there it is on their gear. And it makes <laughs> me think, of course, of the Geico commercial that we have today, which is probably the best commercial on television. And it's made not a tag team, but the tag team, the rap duo tag team, relevant again, which is dope. Good for tag team. Uh, back again, <laughs> as they <Yeah>. say. Um. <laughs> And being relevant here in the year 2021 with one of the best commercials of all time. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. I'm telling you, it's not just chocolata, that. Chocolata, chocolata. <laughs> I it's love that commercial. It's not just man. that. It's the dancing from the woman and then the man that oh, comes yeah. in and the daughter. Like, <laughs> and they start, everything about that. Amazing. <laughs> they start tearing it up right then and there. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and it just makes it for me. It is one of the greatest commercials of all time, 100%. Fantastic! Whoever thought of that is a genius. It is, yes, and it's a good way, good, yes. good for tag team for uh, getting back into the mainstream. Geico always yeah. has, you know, some some great commercials, but uh, I don't know if they necessarily have an all timer, and this could be one of them. This is an all timer. This one, uh, I like the Mutombo one when he's yeah. That's everybody. another one. That's a that's a great one. Uh, Geico's had some great commercials, but this the scoop there it is is that's that has to be in the top two or three. Like that's an <laughs> That's an all-timer. And they're pouring a the chocolate into the bowl. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, he goes, sprinkles. And it's just great. I love it. And they're doing a little doing a little dance with it. Scoop. Yeah. There it is. Scoop. That's, that's one of my favorite commercials ever. It's a great commercial. That, that's the a commercial that no it, one changes. The, yeah, no one changes the channel when that comes on. No, it's still great. And it's been on for like the air for like what, five, six months or whatever. Yeah, know, quite a while, quite a while. It's it kind of like gave me gave me life during the pandemic. <laughs> so. Right, that's the thing too. It was like a great pandemic commercial. That's like, oh, you know what? We can laugh sometimes. <laughs> How about that? We have room for that. Um, this match though is uneventful. Nobody cares about this match. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the ref kept track of who was legal after all the nonsense to keep to do a count out. Um, but he did somehow and counted. The Quebecers out, and but you know they lost the match, but they retained the titles. Yeah. I thought that was a whack finish, especially when you yeah. give Men on a Mission the titles nine days later. You couldn't just beat them, have them win at WrestleMania, and then yeah, they lost them two it. days after they won them. Yeah, like, why don't you just have them win <laughs> at WrestleMania? Why did you do the countout? That's stupid. He so the, what's even more stupid is Vince McMahon on commentary called this Men on a Mission winning via countout. A WrestleMania moment. 
<laughs> oh my god! It was god, not, still, not even close to a WrestleMania his, moment. He's, he's still tripping off of Lex Luger having balloons and fireworks when he won by count on the SummerSlams. Like Vince, don't you still understand? <laughs> yeah. People don't like that. <laughs> not a WrestleMania moment, bro. It's a moment we all forgot. So, and we're gonna forget this match real fast by moving on <laughs> to the next match: WWE Championship. Yokozuna defending against Lex Luger, but we had to have celebrities involved. <laughs> it's a WWE Championship match. So we got Ronda Shear as a special timekeeper. And we got Donnie Wahlberg, not Mark, Donnie Wahlberg <laughs> as a special ring announcer. And then we get Mr. Perfect as a special referee. Special, everybody's special. <laughs> but his well, outfit, Mr. Yeah, Perfect's his outfit, outfit was, was not, spe- not special. <laughs> His fit was trash. And we love Mr. Perfect. You know, we love us a Mr. Perfect. Kurt Hennig, rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? We, we got really nothing bad to say about Mr. Perfect. Except. <laughs> <laughs> except his fit on this night. Which, like, he just broke right out of jail. And went straight to <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> I, what the hell was he uh, wearing, bro? Maybe his worst professional decision in uh, his career. <laughs> <laughs> Between this and the big suit he wore at what was that? Uh, what show did we just watch recently with him? And he was out there with Triple H and um, it was it like Gold Dust or something like that? What show was that? It was a show we watched not that long ago. Oh, oh man! It's, it's oh, uh, Buried Alive! Buried Alive! Had, yeah, it was Buried Alive, and he wore this gigantic suit that was <laughs> clearly too big for him. Which was that was the norm back in like '96, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, still didn't look good. Um, but then we got Donnie Wahlberg doing the ring announcing, and he's trying to act like Joe Cool. <laughs> it's like get out of here, Donnie Wahlberg. Nobody asked for you to be here except WWF. Like <laughs> nobody wants you here. <laughs> nobody wants you here. For Melania GA, it's Lex Luger <laughs> from Japan. Yokozuna. It's like shut the hell up, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your Donnie Wahlberg impression is better than my macho man. <laughs> is that not how he sounded though? He, I I picture it now, absolutely. But like when I'm watching it, I I don't pay attention to that. But uh, you just you jarred the memory, and I I'm like, oh man, that is like how shut he your sounds. ass up. This <laughs> is a white kid from Massachusetts. You know what's funny? You're not black. I, I, <laughs> You're not cool. I think when uh it was a top hat girl who said his name. Uh, it was like Donnie Wahlberg from NKOTB. Like they, they didn't want to say New Kids on the Block. They said NKOTB. So right. it's like they didn't, they didn't want to. I don't know if they rebranded to just be that. Or I think they rebranded. They, they were old they were by them. Now. Yeah, they weren't uh, kids anymore. <laughs> they knew guys in the block or old guys in the yeah. block. I don't know. I think they still go around as NKOTB because I think okay. them and the Backstreet Boys still tour together. Gotcha. Well, not now because of the pandemic, but before the pandemic, they, yeah. they were touring together. Mm, wow. And it was look, I look, I can't hear them. They were selling out shows too. <laughs> like people still like <laughs> New Kids in the Block and Backstreet Boys, especially the Backstreet Boys, obviously. But on this night, Donnie Wahlberg sounded like a sucker. <laughs> like he was he he's a good actor, but he sounds like a sucker on this show. <laughs> Yoko Zuna, y'all. <laughs> From Atlanta, G A, it's Lex Luger, everybody. Yeah, shut your ass up. <laughs> Mr. Perfect. Uh, Mr. Perfect with Mr. Fuji. 
<laughs> with James E. Cornette. <laughs> you say the straight shooters with Vaughn Johnson and Nick Bacone so I can put it in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the straight shooters. This Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Bacone like the straight shooters, y'all. <laughs> that was great and I just come in after that shut your ass up Donnie <laughs> so, or like Big Lebowski shut up Donnie <laughs> shut up I'm writing down the timestamp, so I, I, I clip that <laughs> I gotta do something with it <laughs> oh my god oh, Donnie Walker get out of here bro <sighs> but moving on <laughs> We get Jim Cornette and his ringleader outfit <laughs> looking like a damn magician. <laughs> like he was the ringleader of a circus. <laughs> Just gold pants and stuff. The hell was he wearing? Well, this definitely was a circus. It so. was. <laughs> but it was it was it was uh Corny's WrestleMania debut. That's true. Um, That's true. So we gotta mention that, I guess. But uh yeah, this match was a circus because we got this weird disqualification. Uh, of course, let's rewind a little bit. It's funny because this is like finally the culmination of our Lex Luger talk about this time period because we've had like multiple episodes talking about Lex Luger in this time. We did the whole Lex Express episode. We did a, a live commentary of SummerSlam 93. We did the live commentary of the uh, USS Intrepid <laughs> once upon a time, right? Yeah. Like we, we've, we've covered this this rivalry from beginning to end, all right? So go check it out in the archive, especially our deep dive on Lex Express thing they had on the network. I don't know if it's going to be on Peacock anytime soon, but it's on the net- it was on the network. Um, and Lex Luger traveling around the country in that bus. But here we are at the end, and no one cares at this point. <laughs> like, it's crazy how we started out with Lex Luger so hot, and then we're like, man, they really dropped the ball at SummerSlam, didn't they? Man, they ruined that. And then here we are at WrestleMania, and they do this lame old disqualification mm-hmm. finish. And it's just like, well, moving on from that, <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, how far we've come in less than a year. Yeah, it's uh, one of the uh, all-time what-ifs for me uh, as a fan because uh, – you know, I was like, okay, like I was so used to that Hulk Hogan character uh, growing up, and even Ultimate Warrior. So Lex Luger was my next Hogan. You know, he was my next Warrior, and then it just kind of fizzled. And I'm like, Bret Hart, like he's not a, he's no Hogan, he's no Warrior. You know, so definitely uh, as a fan, I was kind of disappointed with this whole thing. And looking back, obviously, you know, there's a sign in the crowd that said Lex Loser. So clearly, uh, Vince totally messed this up. <laughs> Lex, Lu- <laughs> once you see a Lex Luger sign, you know we've we've messed up. <laughs> we we didn't do this right at all. Um, <laughs> of course, again, uh, we had the DQ finish. Mister Perfect, for whatever reason, just didn't count for Lex Luger. Counted him out, and not counted him out, disqualified him. Yeah, because he pushed him like an idiot. Come on, yeah, well, I get Lex- it, but you know. He stands there. Mr. Perfect took his sweet time standing around assessing the situation. (laughs) 
Yeah, he like, was making hmm. sure everything. He's like, okay, well, Jim Cornette's down over there. Mr. Fuji's right. down over there. The I can't Fuji. get him out of the ring. <laughs> you don't need him out of the ring. Just count. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, in 1994, you know, couldn't have anyone in the ring, you know. Uh, That's what t- tag team wrestling nowadays, it doesn't matter. But back then, hell, you had to be outside the ring, right? For I a guess. pin to take place. Look, I thought this was BS, and so did the fans. <laughs> Because they chanted BS at, you know, Perfect and Luger and Perfect are arguing backstage. And I don't blame Luger for being mad at Perfect on this night. Because, like, what the hell were you doing? Just count, bro. One, two, three. (laughs) Whatever. It was a good uh, swerve for me when Lawler kept saying he was counting too fast when uh, Luger was pinning Yoko. And he was counting too slow when Yoko was pinning. It was a good little (laughs) swerve for me. I was like, wait a second. What's going on here? And then I was just like, oh, Mr. Perfect's a bad guy again. That jerk. Yep. That jerk. Uh, we move on from that, though. We get a recap of WrestleMania 7, specifically the blindfold match, because they didn't want to talk about Hogan Warrior, I guess. <laughs> Not Hogan Warrior, Savage Warrior. And they didn't want to talk about Hogan and Slaughter. Mm-mm. The blindfold match, <laughs> what they yeah. talked about from WrestleMania 7. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did not get that. But. Hogan is on his way to WCW, and I'm sure Warrior had pissed off Vince McMahon again, so <laughs> they want to mention him. So, blindfold match it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which, hey, I love that match. I don't know why, but I love that match. Maybe if I watch it again, I'd hate it, but. No, I think I watched it. it I, I watched it not recently, actually. So it's still, I think it's still like a fun match. It, it is what it is. It, it's a weird. It's, it's a fun match for a rivalry that was so heated, and uh, it was like a, a grudge thing. But they kind of like blew it off with this type of match, which was that was the weird part to me. But overall, I liked it. I thought it was entertaining. It was uh, the last match I think before Jake Roberts started his heel turn. So I guess that's how they blew off the Jake face run <laughs> well, there you go and then we can move on to harvey whippleman cursing out howard finkel for some reason <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, he hated him just cussing him out right in the middle of wrestlemania and then finkel shoves him down because now he's he's got his hair so he's feeling himself now get out of my face <laughs> or or howard finkel will be like get out of my face <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was my how angry uh, Howard Finkel impersonation. Rest dude, dude, Howard dude, Donnie Wahlberg as Howard Finkel. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But then Adam Bomb comes down and and jumps in the ring to beat up Finkel. But that brings out <laughs> Earthquake to rescue Howard Finkel. Okay, and then out of the clear blue sky. A match starts between these two. There's a referee and a bell rings. And then I was like, I have in my notes, it's like, the match suddenly begins. Earthquake versus Adam Bomb. Earthquake hits a splash and won quickly. And that was it. That was it. What the hell? <laughs> was this match longer than The Rock versus uh, Eric Rowan? I don't know, man. Oh, man. That's, that's a good question. That's a good question. I uh, This was... Uh, advertised by the way it wasn't like uh, a random match oh, it, was? It, it, it was advertised in the shows leading up to it so uh that was oh. you know might have been okay. earthquake's last uh televised match in wwf yeah, it might be i don't i don't he recall, went he but... was in wcw i think he went in uh, october uh when he, they did like the three phases of fear versus hogan so oh yeah yeah this yeah, was it yeah he might have been on tv here and there but uh this is his last he, wrestlemania uh, the shark 
He's a shark, right? He was a he was the shark. He was Avalanche when he first came in. Right, His, Avalanche. Uh, and then That's I guess dope, actually. they. WWF threatened to sue them because it was too close to earthquake. Can't, it can't be another natural disaster. Yeah. <laughs> He's already a natural disaster here. Make him another. Make him something else. It can't be another natural disaster. It can't be tornado. It can't be hurricane. It can't be avalanche. It can't be mudslide. <laughs> and the the funny part is, and I hope we will cover it. You know, maybe in October when he made his debut. It was at Halloween Havoc and. It was a, after the Hogan Flair career ending match or whatever. And Tony Schiavone's like, It sounds like there's an avalanche coming down. <laughs> oh my God. So as corny as WWF was with like their characters and their commentary, WCW was just as bad. Even before Hogan arrived there, they were pretty bad with that. Not as bad, but once Hogan arrived there, the corniness got to a new level and that was just <laughs> part of it and it sticks out in my head i will never forget that sounds like an avalanche coming down like, oh my oh god man oh man it can't be tsunami he can't be no natural disasters <laughs> by the way natural disasters as a tag team i thought was pretty dope they were awesome and Earthquake changing tug, t- changing tugboat to typhoon was probably like one of the greatest things wwf has ever done in terms of character and a, uh, development. And a great name natural disasters like yeah. that's dope yeah i thought that was a dope tag team it was, and it was the first time i heard that term natural disaster was in that tag team so when in school we would talk about natural disasters i'd be like oh my god the tag team <laughs> i know the typhoon is <laughs> exactly i know earthquake and typhoon and everyone would be like what the hell's a typhoon because they we don't call that here you know they it's in the east pacific right uh they call that those typhoons they're like hurricane same type of uh storms or hurricanes here but we don't call them typhoons here so uh yeah i knew what typhoons were how about that i, I just find it funny that wcw couldn't be couldn't name earthquake a natural disaster once he got to <laughs> wcw all the natural disasters are off the list so he went from avalanche to an amphibian <laughs> he went to a shark so and move on from this to Jim Cornette's promo in the locker room, which I thought was great. Uh, if one thing, one redeeming quality about Jim Cornette is that he can cut a promo, bro. There's one thing he could do well is cut a promo. But then we move on to a shark is a, a fish. Match. I stand corrected. Oh, yeah, it's an amphibian. That's like a frog. Yeah. It's an amphibian, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. And dolphins are mammals. You gotta remember that too. Yeah. Um, Shame. But now we move on to the WWE Intercontinental Championship match, which a lot for a lot of people, this is the best match on this show. And one of the all-time great matches in WWE history and WrestleMania history. One still one of the best ladder matches in history. We got Razor Ramon going up against Shawn Michaels to become the undisputed intercontinental championship because if you recall Shawn Michaels at one point was the intercontinental champion then he got suspended for whatever reason he was suspended for 93 or 94 or whatever but during his suspension he was ordered to give the belt back so they can put it on somebody else and he was like nah <laughs> I ain't giving it back so he keeps the belt they eventually commissioned a new belt and they uh Razor Ramon eventually wins the tournament to become the new Intercontinental Champion, but it turns out WWF smartly was like, oh, you're going to be an interim champ because we're going to bring back Sean as the other champ. He's going to have his belt that he kept, shoot, kept his belt, by the way, not like uh, storyline. 
Strong literally didn't give this belt back. And there's like, no, champion versus champion. We're going to hang it from a ladder. Both belts from a ladder. And he had this great shot where they dropped the lights. And it was like this, I don't know, is this a gold light or whatever. But you see both the belts hanging from the ceiling. And they're just blinging in the awesome. camera shot. And awesome. it looked great as they were both hanging above the ring. And here we are. WrestleMania 10, low-key, is one of the is a great WrestleMania. Great opener, this match, and the main event, which wasn't great, but it was just a great moment for Bret Hart. It's a pretty damn good show. Uh, a memorable show, I should say, looking back. But we'll, we'll talk about all that later. Um, we get Shawn Michaels out first with Diesel. He's making his WrestleMania debut, right? I don't think Diesel was with him in WrestleMania 9, I don't think. Nope. Right? Luna no? was. Okay. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's right. That's right, Luna. Um, and then we get Razor Ramon's entrance, which I always thought was one of the dopest looking entrances because of the lighting and the way he he looked. He walked in front of that lighting with the silhouette effect. And I was like, that's dope, man. It just looked great. And his music was always great. So that was something I mm-hmm. noticed. And then you got Vince talking about, look at all the gold dripping off his neck. <laughs> and it's funny hearing that in 19... 19- 74, because, you know, drip has become like a slang term that a lot of people use. It's a pop culture term nowadays, but Razor Ramon was using it back in 94, and of course, I'm sure he heard that somewhere else. He's not the originator of the term, the gold dripping off his neck. But it's funny to hear people use the term drip and use it so wrong in 2021. (laughs) Every time I turn around, you got somebody looking at Seth Rollins or Kenny Omega's outfits that doesn't have any jewelry, but they call him, look at his drip. And it's like, he's wearing an ugly ass flame suit. Like that's not drip. That's, he just looks ridiculous. <laughs> that's all it is. So for the school, for the kids out there, let me learn you real quick. Let me teach you a lesson here. Drip is only referring to jewelry, not just overall swag. I know it's kind of got, you know, kind of blown. It's kind of got taken out of proportion, not out of proportion, out of context, I should say. Kind of lost the meaning of what drip really is, um, but when you're referring to somebody's aesthetic, and if you use the term drip, there better be some type of jewelry involved, or you're using it wrong. Just go back to 1994, go back to WrestleMania 10, and watch Razor Ramon's entrance. And Vince mm-hmm. McMahon, even he knew how to use the term drip or dripping back in 1994. So, just a lesson for all the kids out there, or for y'all better be taking notes for how to use how to use drip. You ain't gonna hear that on any other wrestling podcast. Y'all better be taking notes. Take notes. Get out your notepads. School is in session. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so stop referring to it when Seth Rollins comes out with a ridiculous suit. It's not drip. <laughs> I see it on Fox or WWE, all yeah. WWE social media accounts yep. on every single one of them. Oh, the drip master is back. He's like, he doesn't even have a watch on. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're using it wrong. So that's just, that's, I'm off my soapbox about that. <laughs> so. I used to wear a lot of gold back then too. I would always try to like emulate them. I would wear like a gold chain, but it was like a tiny one. It wasn't anywhere close to like what <laughs> Razor would wear. But I'm like, hey, yeah, man. I got my gold chain and my gold bracelet. <laughs> You gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta get that drip popping, man. <laughs> I used to wear jewelry a lot when I was a kid too. It wasn't necessarily gold. I would have like a silver chain or something yeah. like that. Uh, I wasn't. I don't know if it was necessarily drip, but you know, whatever. 
I had I, I did what I could do as like twelve. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I was doing pretty good for a twelve year old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I had but, a uh, uh, I got an Italy golden Italy charm that I would wear. <laughs> there you go. Represent the, shape the motherland of Italy. Of Italy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Represent the homeland, I should say, of Italy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, one thing I noticed, I guess, before the match. Was that they mentioned that Stan Lane was on the hotline. Sweet Stan Lane of the Midnight Express. I was like, wait a second. I didn't know he did the hotline at one point. But yeah, he was a member of WWE's announce team. Yeah, he uh, in, but in the lead up to WrestleMania 10, he was on Mania one morning. And Todd Pettengill, it was this morning actually, or this Saturday morning. And Pettengill and Savage were still kind of like a team on Mania. And they were doing like the fan access type thing. So it was like live shots of, it might have been like pre-recorded, I don't know, but they were acting like it was live. And Top Hat Girl was working for a New York radio station at this point. I forget the, the name of it, but there was a van of that radio station there. So they go into it and Stan Lane's in there and Top Hat Girl totally loses it and throws him out of the van. And it was just like a great Top Hat Girl moment in my eyes. It was great. It's like Stan Lane's on Top Hat Gill's radio station. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Oh, hell no. (laughs) Todd took care of him. He literally physically threw him out of the van. It was great. I posted it in one of my Top Hat Gill Twitter threads. I'll have to retweet that. So, Top Hat Gill, man. (laughs) Todd Pettengill. Strikes again. <laughs> but as far as this match, oh, before the, before we get into the match, we got to talk about your favorite referee. <sighs> Do we? Do we? I was, uh. But you had to have noticed when he got in the way of one of WWE's camera shots, right? <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to pan somewhere, and he, his big ass hit come out of nowhere, I and they said. bump into the camera. So this is my first paragraph of this match. HBK, HBK and Diesel go around the ladder. Razor goes under the ladder. Will it be bad luck? Uh, Razor's choke slam was always great. I have no idea why I said that right there. Uh, but I said Earl Hebner gets in the way of the cameraman who's walking up the aisle from the ladder to the ring. Earl sucks. That's my first paragraph. Wow. Yeah. Man. Always in the way. Like, what's he doing? I have no idea. Get out of the way, Earl. You're always wanting to be in front of the camera. I get it. <laughs> get out of the way. It's funny because WWF would try these those pan shots, like in the stand. Sometimes they would go down the steps and try to pan. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, you told this night they, they try to pan to the ring in the aisleway. Those shots almost never fully worked the way they wanted them to. Like there's <laughs> always a sign in the way. Yeah. Like somebody always got in the way. They use, eventually they stopped trying to do those shots because it's just like. We're never getting good shots from this. Like we, somebody's always in the way when we do these, including Earl Hebner, our own referee. So how about we just don't do these anymore? Well, maybe save them for the entrances only, because there's nobody in the aisles. But other than that, during the match, nobody cares to see this shot anyway. Like, what's the point? So no. Uh, but the match itself, I mean, again, this is another match where there's nothing we're gonna say about this match that hasn't already been said about this match like and the, the common thing is that Shawn Michaels did the did his thing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know I me mean, I'm, I'm always willing to give both participants their due because it takes two to tango 
right? And Razor Ramon is one of my all-time favorite characters. He was cool as hell. He had the gold dripping off his neck, man. You know, <laughs> he always gives his, his jewelry to the to the guy or the timekeeper, or whoever. It's like something happened to the gold. Something's gonna happen to you, man. Like every match, it was great. Throwing a toothpick into the camera. Love Razor Ramon. And he did his thing on this night. But Shawn Michaels was sensational in this match. Like, mm-hmm. unreal in this match. Hit an elbow drop with his ass out. Like, that's dedication right there. <laughs> okay. Didn't even bother to pull up his tights before he did that. But, man, he was all over the place. And there's no, this isn't a slight to Razor Ramon by saying that Shawn Michaels was incredible in this match. And you you want to see like a showcase of where Shawn Michaels was in his prime? This is one of the things to look at. Yeah, and him him using the ladder as a weapon, like I was really feeling bad for Razor because I mean I'd never been hit with a ladder. I don't want to be hit with a ladder, but dude, like he wasn't he wasn't letting up. He wasn't like picking the ladder up and then like slowing it down as he's hitting Razor. He was he threw it on his back at one point. I was like, holy crap, like Sean just, the way he used the ladder stood out more to me than anything else that he did in the match simply because, uh, like, it made the sound, like, it, I legitimately, I mean, maybe it was a, uh, a ladder that, quote-unquote, didn't hurt as a normal ladder, but who knows, this is the first time it's really happened on this stage. I think they had, like, one ladder match before this a couple of years Prior, uh, Sean had one with Bret Hart, so obviously, like mm-hmm. Bret, Bret wants the credit for the ladder match, but because uh, of Stampede right. Wrestling. But you know, mm-hmm. Sean Sean gets the credit here because he's the one that did so many of the memorable bumps in this match. Uh, so many for me, the memorable ladder spots uh, as a weapon, and obviously the the ending where he's tied in the ropes, and you you almost feel bad for him after him doing everything he did like his buddy got thrown out because <laughs> he attacked razors like come on man like you almost look at sean as a baby face in a way but um you know he's just incredible in this match from the beginning to the end i mean he was just throwing his body all around like when yeah. razor does a monkey flip into the ladder sean <laughs> yeah. like you could tell he's, he's kind of like he, he wants to bounce off it, had the ladder fall on top of him, but it doesn't quite work. So he has right. to like throw himself backwards <laughs> and had the ladder fall on top of him, which is like, yeah. that's dedication, bro. Like, it was a lot. Then, of course, you talked about the end when he ties himself up. He ties himself up in the ropes and he gets out of it for a second and he gets his arm tied up in the ropes. Yeah. Like, and he did a seamless to the point that you can't, at least at the time, you couldn't tell that he was doing it to himself it's exactly like, exactly he looks like, he looks like a a victim of an unfortunate you know accident you right. know that happened to him in that moment unfortunate mishap but obviously in, in reality he's doing all that <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he's making that happen and it's just like man that's 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 talent man that you gotta understand this is 1994 this isn't 2021 where we see guys do all these amazing things and we kind of know why it's happening this is 94 when you didn't see guys doing this type of stuff too often you know and it was it was incredible. So, hats off to everyone involved, and uh, and Razor Ramon, mm-hmm. of course, we probably know this by now. Razor Ramon wins the title and becomes the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. Holds up both belts. That's a great visual too. On top of the ladder. No, it's not. And he holds up both belts. It's not a great visual. No, you. Okay. You got Earl Hebner there trying to get in the spotlight. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he steps up the ladder and points up, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
get out of here, Earl. When they, what the hell? When they, they got a close up of Razor. That was a great shot. I'm not talking that about was, yeah, anything yeah. involving Earl. <laughs> the close up of Razor holding up both belts. Earl, that was leave great. Earl out of it. Yeah. That was great. I think they were, they saw what Earl was trying to do. They're like, nope, get it on Razor. <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, like, Earl. We're like, enough with Earl. Enough with his antics. But uh, yeah, that was great. Uh, I had a. So the way Razor got the belts and he just like fell back, I was like, damn, like that had to hurt. Yeah, like, like, hurt. I think he maybe knocked the wind out of himself or something, but he just, he grabbed the titles and literally shifted all his weight to, to like his arms like he was hanging. And if he might have, if those belts didn't come with him, then there was going to be a problem because uh, how was he going to, what was Sean going to do? Was he going to try and tie himself up at the ropes again like a third time like i always wonder about that because you know if those belts didn't come down with razor then i wonder how that ending would have looked uh, he, very lucky that they came down with him speaking of earl off topic a little bit oh, got a real quick earl simmons yes better known to the world as dmx is still on life support so shout out to dmx hopefully he pulls through uh, i know that people are saying the prognosis isn't looking good but still got to hold out of hope until we get anything official, so uh, shout out to uh, Earl that more people know than Earl Hebner, mm-hmm. Earl Simmons, DMX. So hopefully he pulls through. We're all praying for you, DMX. I know it's off topic, kind of random, but we us all. No, I was Earl thinking Hebner, about it too. Think I was Earl. thinking about it too. I'm glad you brought that up. I was. Uh, yeah. So DMX fan. DMX. So definitely. We talked about DMX through. in the show in the past, we right? Did. We talked we about. Did. I did my impression. Albums we had when we were kids. <laughs> People don't really realize how massive he was in the late nineties. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and so. great guy from all. I think there was a Twitter thread from somebody that had a random encounter with him on the plane, and he wound up inviting her and her friend to uh, a show, and just like how gracious he is, and and not wanting anything in return type of thing, and you know, one of the good ones. Yeah, so you know, he's he's had his demons in the past, and you know, they've caught up to him this time around, at least. Uh, from a, you can put him in a hospital standpoint, so hopefully you can ke- you know kick out of this and and be on a road to recovery. So we're pulling so. for you, DMX. Yeah, we're, we're pulling for you, man. Um, but moving on back to WrestleMania 10, we get Vince McMahon talking about the next match, which was supposed to be a 10 man tag, and he says, "Oh, the 10 man tag is next." <laughs> and then you see the bad guys backstage arguing. About who the captain was going to be, as if I didn't know this Survivor Series and it required a captain. <laughs> um, but okay, and then they argue, and then because they didn't come to a decision, the match—that's what they blame the match not happening on. <laughs> like, oh, they couldn't come to a decision, so the match not happening, and it's like, yeah, that's bizarre. It makes them it, look even worse than just saying we don't have time for this match. <laughs> Right. Just don't air that and don't acknowledge the fact that this match didn't happen. Like, this match was supposed to happen, I should say. Or you just do it on Superstars the next week and be like, this is the WrestleMania match, and maybe hype it that way. Why not just do it that way? Yeah, I, I don't I, understand I, I, I the don't need for this. I don't get it. Alpha should have been captain anyway. Right. Why not? You beat everybody up. <laughs> you beat yeah. up Jeff Jarrett. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, and then we get another Bill Clinton impersonation segment, <laughs> Ted DiBiase, trying to bribe the president. <laughs> Said, everybody has a price, including you, Mr. President. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get him. 
Uh-oh. He was like, I don't right. want to get into politics. <laughs> right. So man, like, you're the president. You know, get out of here. <laughs> I know about this Mississippi welfare fund. You know, we can tap into. <laughs> you know, eventually, my son's gonna tap into it in in 2020 or 2019. So, you know, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> then we get this video package setting up the main event, which is for the WWE Championship: Bret Hart versus Yokozuna. But we get a video package. Isn't it weird they didn't have one for Luger? They have one Did for because you know why they didn't have one for Luger. <laughs> they didn't care about him no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but they had some odd music for this video package. They did. I said that too. I was like, "This is it even like a Bret Hart theme or a Yoko theme? It's uh, just a background music that we don't, we never heard but before. It, it makes sense." Yeah, I thought I found that weird, and then it transitions into the Yokozuna package, <laughs> and it was also kind of weird. It's just like WWE got a lot better at these video packages. They, did. they really did. <laughs> They got a lot better at those. This uh, was when they were making uh, sitcoms, not not movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, this was comedy. This wasn't. <laughs> this didn't get me more hyped up for this match. It was just like, oh, okay, um, weird. Just a little just bit weird. Um, and then we go to the match, and of course, again, WWE Championship. So we gotta have celebrities, <laughs> and the guest timekeeper is Jenny Garth. I hated her, her, by the way. <laughs> I don't do not remember her. I would always watch Beverly Hills because we had one TV and my sister would watch it. I think it was like every Wednesday night. And she would, she played Kelly on there. And she was always like the uh, shady character that was up, oh. to no, was up to no good where uh, I never trusted her. So I didn't like her. And in, in this time frame, I'm eight years old. I still think like... I don't separate characters when when I see them on TV, so I think she really is like Kelly on Beverly Hills. I think like she's she's the same person that she plays on TV. So I was not a fan. I was like, "What the hell is she doing?" You know, at WrestleMania, get her out of here. <laughs> yeah, nine hundred two one zero. Well, that was a popular show back in the day. It though. was very popular. I, you know, I watched it. I didn't hate it because you know it was interesting and. You know, it was a lot of teen stuff, so I, it was before my teen days, but my sister was a big fan, so, we, you know, I'd watch it. Was she the most popular character on the show? Like, or the most like, popular person on the show? Because, like you said, like, she was a heel, pretty much. Like, yeah. why would they get her? <laughs> uh, she's one of them. Brenda was, like, the baby face, uh, and uh, I think it was, like, her and Kelly were, would be on and off again with uh, Dylan, who was played by oh Luke, per- Luke Perry, so. Oh, rest in peace, Luke Perry. Yes, rest in peace, so. Uh, you know, it was always I was always like pulling for Brenda over Kelly when it came to like Luke. <laughs> oh my God. But uh, and then Brenda had a uh, brother Brandon who always seemed like a good guy. So yeah, they had a couple. Uh, you know, like Tori Spelling was on there too, and she, her, and uh, I think Brian Austin Green, David was his name in the show, and they were like good people, but that would like face demons and not always come out on top so i would always be like oh they're weak or whatever but you know, i was eight years old you know i didn't understand true demons and you know how hard it is to overcome you know as a person so yeah this this uh, show was really deep for you know eight-year-old nick so i i always uh, would look to my sister to kind of see her reaction to see how i should be reacting you learn something new every day right yeah you know what i just learned today 
that I Your knew. Beverly Hills <laughs> 90210 knowledge is strong, bro. <laughs> like, I have, I forgot, I remember Luke Perry's on the show, but other than that, I couldn't tell you not one damn thing about 90210, bro. Ian's I remember when was it was on, on there. TV. I remember it was on TV and that and like Merrill's Place is like another yeah. show kind of yep. the same. I think it came off on uh, the same network. I think it was all, they were all on Fox. So. Right. Like kind of the same kind of tone. Yep. But damn, bro. <laughs> hey, man. I, uh, of you. Not <laughs> If I had like I would rather watch that than like not watch TV. I wasn't a reader. I didn't read like books uh, back then. Like for myself, I, I wouldn't be able to retain uh, nowadays I'm a, I'm a little bit different. Like I could do that, uh, but I needed TV some way somehow. Like after homework or you know after dinner. So you know Wednesday nights were the Beverly Hills nights, and I would watch it. And I think my sister even taped some episodes on her you know her VHSs that she had, and there were some wrestling events that got taped over, and then I would tape back over Beverly Hills with wrestling. So kind of went back and forth a little bit when there was a uh, shortage of blank VHS tapes or a shortage of VHS tapes at all so uh we kind of that was like our little sibling rivalry when it came to our using the tv and like using vhs's to tape certain things and uh that's you know some i watched some beverly hills shows on vhs because there was nothing else to do it's at times so i I watched uh, certain episodes more than once and i would always it it would make me feel uncomfortable a little bit because i knew it was like kind of like mature more mature than you know my eight-year-old you know mine can handle but at the same time uh you know it was kind of it, it was interesting to me i guess interesting enough for me to watch every week or every, you know maybe not every single week because i i would go to like well it wasn't until 97 i had like this boy scout meeting or whatever that i would go to and i'd be like ah, i gotta get back for beverly hills <laughs> so yeah it was uh you know not not like a huge part of my childhood but enough to where i remember a lot of it 90210 i never thought we would have a discussion about 90210 <laughs> on our podcast but here we are funny and, thing yeah because get the guest timekeeper jenny garth we get the guest ring announcer of course it's burt reynolds and you notice that burt reynolds had a cast on his hand yeah and and they mentioned on the the Broadcast like oh he that, that you know that mugger never had a chance you know <laughs> that's because he legitimately fended off a mugger not long before the event and broke his hand in the midst <laughs> of fending off a mugger like that that was real so he has a cast in his hand and then he was supposed to apparently walk out to the ring with Ronda Shear which makes sense they were all flirting backstage yeah. and whatnot but his management inexplicably and this is according to Bruce Pritchard and in the something to wrestle podcast. But his management inexplicably told WWE to keep Sheer and Reynolds apart. Now, I don't know if that's because, you know, I don't know if that was because, oh, they supposedly had heat or they were afraid that Burt Reynolds was going to smash Ronda Sheer. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was the case. Like, we can't have Burt like around. Before the beta we, we can't have Burt around these beautiful women. He might try to do something. <laughs> he can't, we can't have this happen. I don't know what the reason. I can't remember what the reasoning was behind that. I think it was because they were supposedly supposed to have heat. I don't know. Either way, it was weird because, like I said, they appeared in a segment together on a show. Yeah. And according to Pritchard, they when they saw each other, they were just hanging out backstage and having a good time. So there was no heat. So what was the I deal don't, behind I don't that? think it could have been heat because 
at the end of this, they both come out to celebrate in the ring, and they're looking at each other and kind of like, you know, they're not, they don't look like they're yelling at each other. They don't even look like they're, they're just looking at each other like, hey, what's up? Like, so I noticed that. So I don't know if, I don't know if heat was, uh, would have been the reason. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't want Bert around a beautiful woman. It's like, all right. (laughs) As long as you're on camera in the middle of the ring, you won't try anything. (laughs) Right. I I guess. I don't know. But it's funny because Bert Reynolds was upset about that. Not really upset about hanging out with Ron, but not walking out with Ronda Shears. The fact he had to walk out with Jenny Garth, because of course Jenny Garth is like young enough to be his granddaughter, even at that point. He was like, "Why? Why am I walking out to the ring with her? She's like super young. It makes me look weird and creepy," which was right for Burt Reynolds to think that way. It's like, at least we know he wasn't, a, you know, a creep in that respect. You know, like yeah. he was like, "Yo, like why you got me walking to the ring with her? She's like a child compared to me. Like what y'all doing?" And then <laughs> Burt Reynolds, of course, introduces Roddy Piper, who is his special guest referee, right? And there's a story behind that, apparently, in that when they're backstage and they're telling, hey, you know, Bruce Pritchard is like, hey, you know, Bert, you're going to introduce Roddy Piper, and this is how you're going to do it. You're going to say this, and you're going to give yourself 10 seconds to, you know, kind of gather yourself and breathe. And apparently, Burt Reynolds did not like that. <laughs> He's like, bro, I am Burt Reynolds. You don't think I've ever introduced somebody before? I know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> he snapped on Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> for telling him how to introduce Bobby Roddy Piper, which I mean, if you're Bruce Pritchard, you're just doing your job. You don't know. You're just right, making right. sure that they do a good job. And but if you're Burt Reynolds, also, it's like, man, I've kind of done it. I am Burt Reynolds. Like yeah. people have asked me to host events all the time. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? So that's that's the Burt Reynolds stuff that happened on this show. Uh, but of course, we got Roddy Piper. Of course, the referee. Brett versus Yokozuna. Yokozuna, of course, is accompanied to the ring by Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette doesn't last too long, though, because Piper just knocks him out right away. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So he knocks him out after Jim Cornette pulled Bret Hart out of the ring during a penitent. So I always loved Jim Cornette's cell when he would get punched in the face, he would just look like he slipped on the banana peel when he get punched in the face. Like his feet would go up in the air and he'd fall back, you know. Big sell. Big sell by Jim Cornette. Yeah. Uh, but the match itself was good for, you know, mm-hmm. for what it was. You always got the size mismatch and that's always a good story for Brett, you know, because Brett's a very good storyteller. He always, he always had sensible ways to get offense on people bigger than him. Which is why his matches with people like Yoko worked. His matches with people like The Undertaker, uh, Diesel. Those matches worked. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. he was smaller than those guys. But when he would get offense on them, it made sense. It wasn't like he would just go on toe-to-toe and you know, right, punch them right. in the face. He would yep. find sensible ways to get offense in. And the same thing happened on this night with Yokozuna. Uh, but eventually, Yokozuna goes for the bonsai drop. And he suddenly loses his balance. <laughs> He goes, what, 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 whoa. <laughs> Falls off the middle rope like Humpty Dumpty. Goes tumbling down and hits his head. So he's like, ow, my head. And in the midst of that, Bret Hart gives him, goes on top of him for the pin. One, two, three, and Bret Hart wins and is your new WWF champion. There are fireworks going off, and Vince is like, we're going to the next decade of the World of Wrestling Federation. Ha <laughs> ha. It's a big celebration. 
whole bunch of wrestlers come to the ring. Randy Savage among them. Uh, Yokozuna chases Roddy Piper backstage. I guess Roddy Piper because it was a screw him. job ending. <laughs> I guess his, his his shoulder was up. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, but it looked like it to me at least. Well, he's probably right. I don't know, but he was holding I his just, head. I mean, why couldn't he just not do that? Like the fact that hurt. he's holding his head is why his shoulder's up. And it's clear to see. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. Physically, that makes sense. But w- when Yoko <laughs> chases Roddy backstage, and then Roddy comes back yeah. at some point, yeah. I just imagine like Roddy gave him a juke move. He like turned the corner real quick. <laughs> right, it just gave him a juke move, and Yoko fell or something like that, and he ran back to the ring. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how Roddy like evaded. I mean, I can know how he's faster. I'm sure he's faster than Yoko sooner, but. How did he, he evaded him and yeah. got back to the ring somehow? <laughs> Without um, Yoko like coming back out either. Like, <laughs> Yoko you know, he was out there for a while. Like, <laughs> going door to door. Knocking on doors. Right? We get Wahlberg is in the ring. You know, it's Bret Hart is the WWF champion, y'all. <laughs> you know, we got Burt Reynolds. <laughs> World Wrestling uh. Federation champion, y'all. Uh, Ronald, not Ronald this year, Ronda this year. <laughs> Ronald is probably her son or something like that. I don't know. Her brother, I don't know. But Ronda Shear is in the ring. Uh, everybody's happy and, it's, and you got Brett on people's shoulders. And he's lifting up the title belt. But then we get the iconic shot of Brett looking up the aisle and you see Owen Hart standing there by mm. himself with his hands on his hips, shaking his head in, like, in disbelief. Because he's watching Brett cast an even bigger shadow over him <laughs> yeah. as he is now the champion again. Because the whole storyline between them two was that Brett was casting a shadow over Owen and Owen's tired of it. Mm-hmm. And when he beat Brett earlier in the night, he's finally for, out from underneath Brett's shadow. He is his own man. He is Owen Hart. And then, <laughs> damn it, later in the night, <laughs> Brett Hart is the champion and cast an even bigger shadow over him. To me, that's one of the most iconic like scenes in wrestling history. And to me, it was genius. It was perfect. And it lets you know this wasn't over. Yep. We're going to see more from this. Because now, now Owen, he's got to try to get from underneath his shadow again. And that means he's got to take the title from him. And before that, he's got to win the King of the Ring to get the title shot at SummerSlam. And the whole nine. This great, great, great storytelling. Simple subtle, not overdoing it, not too much talking. They didn't have to say a word. You knew exactly what was happening. Just look at Owen's face, see the head shake, see Brett in the ring, looking at him, holding up the title, and everybody's looking at Owen like, get out of here, you ain't nothing. Just you know, It's his time now. And you can see all the jealousy just <laughs> pour over Owen's face. And it's like, damn, that's good, and I cannot wait to see what happens next. Kudos uh-huh. to WWF and Owen Hart. And Bret Hart for that. And you said it iconic. And the fact that there was no commentary, I think, made it that way. Why it's so iconic. You didn't have you had Vince in the ring, thank goodness. But Lawler, you know, he wasn't saying a word. He could have been like, and here's Owen. Like he that could have been, you know, what might have been the plan, who knows? But the fact that there was no commentary in that whole you know, stare down 
made it for me uh, maybe one of the best WrestleMania endings ever. Maybe the best wrestling ending ever. The fact that they're just staring each other down. You know the history uh, that started in November. You know, it's a great build. The fact that Owen, like you you put it perfectly, the fact that he's finally outside the shadow of his brother because he beat him earlier in the night. But now here he is as the champion. And everyone around him is hoisting him on their shoulders like he's some kind of hero. And that's just like the perfect storytelling, perfect wrestling storytelling, and perfect, perfectly a reason why I'm a fan of pro wrestling and why I love the story more than the action in the ring sometimes. And, you know, one of the best endings, if not the best uh, WrestleMania ending, uh, just that stare down. And the fact that no commentary, you have the, the aerial view, you know, pull back and, you know, the credits and whatnot, just while Brett's music is playing, just absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. An absolutely great way to end this show, which is, you know, there's a lot of things to, to forget about on this show, but the good things weren't just good it was the positives i should say the positives from the show were great yes like all-time great things between the opener between the ladder match and not even really the the main event the match itself but the finish and in the moment that it meant for brett and and how wwf was anointing him as the guy and of course the owen moment after that all great yeah and it's to where the positives were so much more magnified than the negatives. You know, the negatives were like bad, but they weren't like all timer bad. They were just like bad. So the positives totally overcame that to make WrestleMania 10 yeah. uh, one of the best shows. Yeah. 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 The bad, the bad stuff wasn't that bad. We've seen much worse from WWF and from pro wrestling as a whole than the stuff we got on WrestleMania 10. It wasn't like offensive and it's like, Oh God, it was head scratching stuff, but yeah, just like it wasn't so so bad that you you don't even want to watch the show anymore. It's yeah, no. So WrestleMania ten, maybe underrated. I don't know. Watching this in hindsight and knowing the significance of this show, it might be slightly underrated. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't think I, I got to go back to uh, our bracket. I don't remember how how it how far it made, but uh, could be absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Any final? I mean, I guess we gave our just gave our final thoughts on this show. So, how about Nick? You take us out with some plugs, please. Yeah, you can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash Shooters Radio, and you could check my uh, NXT Takeover. I, I went over some prop bets for uh, Wednesday and Thursday uh, nights one and two of NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver on Fox Sports The Gambler. You can visit foxphlgambler.com to check out that podcast on the line change with John Jansen. You can also check it out on phillyinfluencer.com. I posted the audio a little bit earlier today, and I will also tweet it out uh, later at Nick Pacone and at Shooters Radio. 
And uh, stay tuned. I know Vaughn's probably going to mention it, but stay tuned for our WrestleMania roundtable preview. We are a part of it on Fox Fox Sports, The Gambler, on Friday nights. We will have our WrestleMania roundtable preview. And also, by the way, phillyvoice.com. I'm going to write up our Blue Meanie episode with WrestleMania 15, some quotes. So go and check that out. Uh, Whenever you're listening to this, go to phillyvoice.com, and it'll be up if it's not up. At this point, it'll be up eventually, and uh, can't wait for that. And can't wait for that. Can't wait for you all to hear that. It was a, it was great to be with John Dan- John Jansen, Jason Finelli on Gambler once again, and we'll probably hopefully do more uh, in the future with those guys. There's a lot of fun talking yeah. wrestling with those guys. But you can find me at Vaughn M Johnson on Twitter. You can't find me there. You can find me out here in these streets a little bit more than I have been in the last year or so because your boy is fully vaccinated. Both of your boys are fully vaccinated. Yeah. How about it? Oh, man. So, I, I had a little bit of a reaction to the second one, but I, I'm all good now. So you know, I'm, I'm good to go, but you know, I, I didn't feel any side effects. Fortunately, knock on wood. Hopefully, they don't right, sneak right. up on me later on. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so check me out there. You can check out my writing, PhiladelphiaEagles.com, of course. Got some good stuff coming down the pike. And, of course, we're on Patreon, patreon.com slash shootersradio. You can subscribe to some exclusive content for the nominal fee of one nine or $2, I should say. <laughs> one cent, $2. <laughs> uh, got it. Had to adjust for inflation. Uh, <laughs> but $2, subscribe to some exclusive content, and you can request a deep dive that you want us to cover in the future. So, like... We had a couple weeks ago. We did WrestleMania 33. Our boy Chris Johnson looked out. Subscribe to some exclusive. Con- subscribe to our Patreon. We did WrestleMania 33 at his request, and we even let him come on the show, jump on for a little bit, and give his thoughts for a couple minutes on the show. So you can do the same thing. All you got to do is head over to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/shootersradio, and you can be like Chris Johnson and the other patrons we have, and you can jump on the show, and we can fulfill your request. Also. Don't forget to check out our episode from last week, the Blue Mini Show, where we deep dived or dived deep. We dove. <laughs> we dove into, <laughs> dove deep into WrestleMania 15 with the Blue Mini. Uh, we went all about WrestleMania, the WrestleMania Rage Party, the post party they have at WWE, the whole nine. We covered it all here on the pod. So check that out. It was a great time with the Blue Mini. Thanks again for, for him jumping on the show with us and talking about uh, WrestleMania 15. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoy WrestleMania this weekend, NXT, too, as well, and all the other independent shows that's happening and around wrestling. Uh, those guys, it's good to see independent wrestling getting back in the, back in the game after the, the long year that we've all had with the pandemic. But, of course, enjoy WrestleMania. No, we didn't give our predictions on the show at all here. But check out our, you know, our thing on The Gambler. We do give our predictions there. Uh, so if you want to know our predictions, check that out. Uh, sometime this week, but enjoy WrestleMania. It's, it's, you know, it's our time as wrestling fans to come together and enjoy the thing that we all love. This crazy thing we all love as pro called pro wrestling. And uh, so, thank you for joining us again for Nick. I'm Vaughn Johnson, and thanks for joining us for episode 279 of the Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.